Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday. It's already November 2nd, 2022. And you're listening to episode 570. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Everyone goes a little mad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Indeed they do. Aaron Amos is here. 88% that bitch. <laughs> and Chris Carey is also in the house. <laughs> like Damian Wayne and Taylor Swift, I'm on my vigilante shit. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Thank you. Nice. I like Nobody that one. cares. All right. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Attacked right off the bat. These are starting to feel about personal and not about Damian. <laughs> No, it's personal about Damien. Okay. <laughs> my rage is my rage is laser focused. Just, All right, just we're uh, we're coming out swinging this week. Apparently, we've got a a beefy beefy news section for you this week. It's a thick um, boy. Yeah, we've got some chunky lightning rounds happening here. A uh, Halloween weekend has has come and gone. We got some uh, just a little few stories from that. And uh, an update about the podcast feed. If you have not seen it, there is a special crossover episode between Talking Comics, uh, Thirsty on Tune, and Gotham Outsiders. It's myself, yes, uh, Chris, and Bronwyn, and TJ, all talking about Batman Wayne Family Adventures. Uh, It's an absolute riot. Chris came up with a game for us to play at the start <laughs> of uh, the scary to sexy scale for yeah. bat villains. Uh-huh. So if you want to hear about everyone's uh, inner desires for Scarecrow and or Two-Face or others, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you should listen to that. Mm-hmm. It was a blast uh, to record. And that is in the feed now as a special Halloween treat for y'all. Go and check it out. Uh, speaking of Halloween weekend, I was talking about going to a party, going to an escape room, friends have a bar, they've got a nerd shop, I'm gonna go shopping. None of that happened. Everyone hmm. got sick. Aww. <laughs> Everyone got sick. Uh, friends that were coming from out of town got sick and stayed home, and then the host of the party got a cough the morning that it was supposed to happen, and it was going south from there. So we dressed up anyway, because that's how we roll. And we went and out looked to our amazing. Friends. Yes, we did. We looked great. And we went out to our friends, Jill and Pete's. And we watched about four hours of this show called Taskmaster. Have any? Yes. Taskmaster is okay. my favorite. 
Bob and Aaron, are you familiar with Taskmaster? No, I'm sir. vaguely familiar with it. Um, I know what it is, but I, I can't say that I've sat down and watched it. I've okay. watched like almost every season. I love it. Do you it. want to describe it for the people? Yeah, I could do that. Taskmaster is a bunch of British comedians that all get together to try to please one man, but not sexually. It is. It is a show where people are given extremely strange tasks and not all the information about solving them. And you get to see them creatively or not solve them. <laughs> Yes. And it is it is nonstop hilarious. Uh, it is absolutely a dose of dopamine, and I recommend fully. Yeah, the prizes are like super shitty. You get this yes. <laughs> rickety little statue of the host, like this uh, faux yeah. golden statue of him, and then there's always a task to start the show where the contestants have to bring something from home or give an example of something that they learned about before the show. And whatever items you end up bringing in, the person who wins at the end of the game gets to keep all of the items. Oh, it's yeah. weird. People have like brought furniture and things they found in the trash. Like somebody found someone's last will and testament in a trash can yeah. and yeah. framed it and then brought it to this show. And then somebody else went home with this person's uh, last will and testament. It is hilarious. The host is this very like persnickety judgmental but funny and kind of endearing dude and then you have, have like the straight man who is privy to all of the tasks like he participates in them um he gives people the rules all these things mm -hmm. it is an absolutely hilarious setup for a show it moves very quickly most of the people participating in it are very funny uh, which makes yeah. these like crazy tasks that they're doing even funnier. And it was exactly what we needed just to put this big smile on our faces. Bronwyn spent the entire next day in bed because she basically laughed herself into a migraine. <laughs> oh, uh, no. it, it, was, it was so funny. But it was. Yeah. We had a good time. It was very low key. Spent the time with, you know, friends we haven't seen in some time. And uh, we got two trick-or-treaters this year. So that's Aww. two more than last year. That's awesome. Call it a win. <laughs> that's 200% more than you've ever gotten. <laughs> that's right. We had uh, for the first year that we got here, oh, we see. had a good, like, probably like 11 uh, oh, wow. rings, at, rings at the doorbell. I know. We were a lot more popular back then. We're old news now. <laughs> but... Um, they don't know that we give out the good candy, but I'll, I'll circle around to that. Chris, what'd you do for Halloween? I went to Comic-Con in Baltimore. What? It, yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. Uh, uh, Gotham Outsiders own TJ and I went to Comic-Con. We took my uh, oldest niece um, who has been going to Comic-Con with me since she was like 10, I believe, and is now almost an adult. So it's been, it's been a long time. Um, and we've just had a blast. I actually, I have to send you, Bob, a, uh, a picture because I took it specifically for you Aww. of a cosplay I saw at Comic-Con this year. So I will drop that in a chat okay. in a second. <laughs> but genuinely, it was just fun. We, I cosplayed as uh, Emma Frost and then the next day as Hellcat. Um, my niece did Raven and TJ went as Tim's boyfriend, Bernard, AKA he didn't dress up at all. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just what he told people because he also is blonde. <laughs> I am not surprised that TJ did not participate in the costuming. He has, though, I will say. Uh, he has cosplayed pretty awesome characters in the past, but we didn't get him to this year. There you go, Bob. I dropped it in the chat for you. Uh, Look who I found. I'm looking. <laughs> uh, hold on a second. Oh, oh wow. there we go. That's Isn't that great? That it's for brilliant. people listening at home and have no it's idea. The rocket- it's the Rocketeer. It's the Rocketeer. But the it's helmet the is spot on. That the leather jacket. That's the it's the double breasted flap over, and mm-hmm. that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah, I got really excited and immediately stopped him. And I was like, "My friend Bob needs a picture." It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say it was genuinely such a blast. So that's awesome. That's a great way to spend Halloween. Yeah. Cool. Did you get any candy while you were there? Nobody gave any candy out, which does seem what? like such a miss, right? It no. really wasn't very Halloween-esque for a Halloween Comic-Con. I was very surprised. That's uh, not, that's uncool. I don't, yeah, there weren't any really any cosplays that were any, had Halloween vibes or anything either. Uh, though some person showed up with a, already showing up with a Christmas-themed uh, cosplay, because I saw someone who was a full-blown Krampus. <laughs> oh, that's cool! It was amazing. Oh, my neighbors do Krampus at um, AwesomeCon every year. They don't think I know it's them, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I've, I've, I've stalked them. I've seen them. I've literally been standing right in front of them. I'm like, you don't even know who I am. But hey, that's cool. uh, Chris, Love I'm going to ask you to check the Zencaster chat while I ask Aaron what he did okay. for Halloween. Sounds good. I uh, essentially filled a bowl up with candy, put it on my porch, and then watched the kids come up for my ring alarm. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're the Halloween Grinch. What kind of shit is that? It's funny because it's true. Oh, <laughs> man. Hey, I just threw the bag out there. I was getting a bunch of, uh, I was I was on a couple of calls and I'm like, all right, well, I don't want to have to like get up and like interrupt my calls and go ring the, enter the door. I was like, well, let me just make sure that the candy is out there. So I printed out a nice sign. It was like, you know, in Halloween colors and it was like, happy Halloween and take some candy, enjoy, blah, blah, blah. So you're um, telling me your dislike, your dislike for the 11 year old uh, that is Damian Wayne extends to all 11 year olds. No, actually, because actually the objective <laughs> was, all right, well, they're going to come a little bit later. I'll, I'll hopefully wrap my call. So then I'll just sit on because it was nice. It was kind of nice. I was like, I'll just sit on my porch. Like we did that last year. We sort of sat on our porches and, and talked across our porches while, you know, the kids came up. So I was like, all right, well, I'll wrap these calls and I'll be able to sit out there. But they came in these odd waves. So the first wave came relatively early and I was still on the call. So I was like, part of me was like really happy because I didn't, I wanted the kids to get the candy. Um, and uh-huh. so um, I could see them getting the candy. I was like, all right, cool. There's a, there's a decent crowd sort of making their way up and down the street. So then I finally get off my call and I go out there. It's like a ghost town. Like, oh. Everyone's gone. I'm like, okay. So oh, we're not around, around the, the old man Aaron. So wait, so <laughs> here's hiding what's funny. in his house. Yeah. So here's what's funny. So and I can actually I'll s I won't send it to you now, I'll send it because it'll make too much noise if you see it. But um so then I had to go get the dog because the dog was in daycare, because I usually put her in daycare on Monday. So <laughs> while I'm away, I can hear see the things, the notifications going off that so, you know, there's someone approaching my house because that's how it alerts me. 
so I'm getting notifications on my phone. So I look at these kids are going batshit crazy and the bowl of candy on my porch. It's like, I want the Snickers. I want the Snickers. I'm like, all right, it's probably best I wasn't there then, just in case, because these kids have lost their goddamn minds. Nah, man, that's um, when you come out with your broom. And, and I <laughs> came back yelling. and that bowl was empty and there was like candy remnants on the side of my porch. I'm like, all right, man. I was just like, you know, happy Halloween to you. And I just, I, I grabbed my bowl Grabbed my dog, went back in the house and called it. I was like, we're done. We're out of candy. The kids have lost their shit and we're good. Just an 11 year old face down next to the bowl with a bunch of boot prints on them. <laughs> it was just weird. I mean, they came up in these weird packs. Um, yeah, it was the first round was pretty cute because it was almost like this little steady train of uh, kids you know, walking through and their parents were with them. You can hear them coming up saying, happy Halloween, even though, you know, I wasn't out there. Um, I did come out to meet one group of kids when I refilled the bowl the first time, but, um, you know. That was accidental, that, it sounds like. It, it, was, it absolutely was. I refilled the bowl because I was like, I was in between one of my calls. But <laughs> I like, saw him tonight. Yeah, that's the house that the Yeti lives lives in. You <laughs> only see him briefly if you're lucky. Last year, we, me and my, a couple of my neighbors, we each sat on our porch and just sort of watched the kids come up we could, we, while we were chatting with each other. Um, but that was, but then of course, my dog being territorial, once you get within like six steps of the, of the house, she barks like she's going to kill you and your entire family. So uh, <laughs> the kids would do an about face and walk back down the walk. We'd be like, never mind. <laughs> we don't want any candy. So I'd have to coax the kids and like leave the candy in a bowl in the middle of my walkway. So they felt safe <laughs> coming to get the candy. I'm not even kidding. This was last oh, year. You should put it further out, and the dog's leash only goes like within a foot of the bowl. And put Mocha in, in a hideous costume, too. We have a yeah. vampire caper. <laughs> no joke. I picked her up from daycare, and there were these three people walking by. She was, I'm, I'm sorry, I was dropping her off, rather. So she was in the car, and I was doing the thing to unhook her, but. She was still in the car. These kids were walking by. Oh, I say kids. They're like college students. It goes right by Howard University. She let out a bark. And this woman, her knees literally buckled like right no. there. And she like literally almost fell on the sidewalk. I felt so bad while at the same time struggling to keep back a laugh. But I did feel bad inside. Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> But because her bark is just so vicious but she's really just saying hey come play with me because as soon as you come over and, and talk to her, her tail goes crazy and she's like licking you but people think she's trying to kill them so i'm like I i'm trying to train that out of her why well, <laughs> i'm trying to train it so i can control it anyway oh okay <laughs> so, because the good thing is no one's ever going to sneak up on me while we're walking that's for exactly sure. well your halloween sounds like it was festive yeah it was interesting all right Bob, how about you? What was your Halloween well, like this year? I, I had to go to work on Monday, so I put a, a bag of candy with a, a cheery sign as well, and nobody took anything. What? So I spent whatever it was, $20 in candy that now went into a bowl at work. <sighs> What's this world like, coming to? I know. And this is a an enclosed community, and there are kids around, including across the street, and basically I, maybe somebody took something. It sure didn't look that way. So, eh, what can you do? As, as to the weekend itself, uh, did a movie night with friends on Friday and watched the best werewolf movie of 1981, Joe Dante's The Howling. 
Aha. to get that American werewolf stuff, uh, which is good, but it's just not as good. Has anyone seen The Hunt, that very controversial movie from 2020 that Bloomhouse put out that got pulled from theaters because... Yeah, you brought this up like uh, yeah. a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it, uh, so it, it, it played really well with a crowd that hadn't, uh, hadn't seen it, so that worked. And then I watched a whole bunch of weird stuff because the classics and... Let's do Ghost Nights. So throw the others into the original haunting and so on. But a couple of couple of odd ones I watched that just because one I just I had seen it. I got it from the library, and then had to buy a copy for myself. It's called The Night House with Rebecca Hall. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm familiar with that. Um, Chris, have you seen this one? I haven't. Should I? Yes, she uh, Rebecca Hall's character has lost her husband. And she's processing all this. And in this lovely house she lives in by a lake, weird things are starting to happen. And she looks across the lake and sees lights where she hadn't seen them before and takes a walk around the lake and discovers there's a duplicate of her house on the other side of the lake. Ooh. And we go from there. Hubby, Hubby has some stuff going on. I'll just leave it at that. So that, that's a real creepy one. And one from a number of years ago called 100 Feet. This stars hmm. Famke Jansen and Bobby Carnival. She uh, she is being let out on house arrest, hence the 100 feet. That's as far as she can go from the sensor within her house. She is now in the house where she murdered her abusive husband, who was a, was a policeman. Oh. Bobby Carnival's the, the hubby's partner. And it turns out she isn't alone in this house that, oh, she, no. can't, that she can't leave. <laughs> uh, it has one really gross moment that's a little much, I think, but mm. the atmosphere of the whole picture is amazing. Yeah. And oh, worth, definitely worth definitely worth seeing. And again, I watched Psycho and Night of the Living Dead and Halloween and all the things you're supposed to. It's that Man. Time, you know. I, I failed would... in my Halloween watching this year. Big Did time. You? I did. We watched a couple of things, but not not nearly as much as we should have. Yeah. I watched started, a couple of... Uh, stream- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we started rewatching Schitt's Creek, and it was yeah. all the there. As, as you always should. Mm-hmm. I watched a couple of strange ones, because I, I obviously subscribed to Shudder for no other reason than that one queer documentary on horror. And then I was like, mm-hmm. well, I've got to watch other things on here. So I just started watching Shudder Originals, which were real hit or miss uh i'm not gonna lie they reminded me a lot of like sci-fi saturday movies if anyone ever watched those oh yeah uh but i watched a little indie one called boys from county hell and it was this like irish horror movie about dracula it was so bizarre but i was weirdly fascinated by it and then i watched one called vicious fun which i actually kind of liked about a horror writer who accidentally finds himself at a support group for serial killers. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good right away. It was. It was surprisingly good. What was that one called? It was called Vicious Fun. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Episodes of uh, Bewitched, which revealed its own horrors. I know. God. Oh, yeah. So were both Darren's equally racist or just oh, one of them? Full on racist, man. Both I'm of like... them. Oh man! It was just baked into the character. Yikes! Gross! Yikes! Oh my god! I was like, yeah. I was like, no one sees what's happening here. Oh no! (laughs) 
Oof. Yeah, we had a whole conversation about this stuff off air about how it's sometimes difficult to go back and watch certain things with new eyes and new ears and a new way of kind of going about life. And I've I've come across right. several things from my past that I used to like just put right up there at the top, like, oh, this movie's amazing. And then I go back and I watch it. This show's fantastic. And then you go back and you watch yeah. it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Genuinely. And that's not, that's not like just things from the 50s. Like, that's 10 years ago things exactly. a lot of time where you're like, oh, oh, no, this is in the 2000s. Wow. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's split because for one, in one way, you're like, well, at least I, I, I have a, a, a barometer of how evolved I am now, I guess, in my thinking. But at the same <laughs> time, you're like, Jesus, what kind of nutcase was I? Right. Know, 15 it's years it's ago jarring, right? You're yeah. like, wow, I didn't, I didn't pick up on any of that, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, Aaron, my uh, screen name for the evening. I see it. But I saw, I saw what you were talking about. As, as someone who grew up way, way back, the Norman Lear programs, yep. starting with All in the Family and then yep. Maud and Good Times, they they leaned into the controversies, yes. went right for it, and Norman Lear was definitely a, a lefty. There's no he question. But but um, when you watched All in the Family, as dopey and bigoted as Archie was, his son-in-law, Rob Reiner's character, Meathead Mike, had his own set of problems. He could not see past what he believed in either. And the idea was those shows made for conversations. And the, the, the one, the, the, the show that really sad me about all the stuff he did as when good times began, that was a hell of a great program. It was. Oh, don't get me started on with, with John Amos, and it, it turned into the Jimmy Walker show. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, yes, that still bothers me to this day. Yeah. I feel like we probably, have to. Sorry. There's a generation of people who have no idea what we're talking about, but still, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say we have to shout out to Golden Girls here for being like one of the most progressive shows for a long time after it was off. Honestly, even mm-hmm. it, it's shocking going back to that and being like, huh? Wow, they were talking about this then. When I break down what to people, you know, what that is, they, they're sort of like, yeah, right. No, it wasn't. I'm like, here, watch this yeah. episode, this season six, episode there, that, season five. There is a reason that half of all queer people I know have like a saint candle for each of the golden girls in their house. <laughs> I'm looking at my uh, Funko Pop golden girls right now. Hell office. yeah. All four of them. <laughs> yeah. That show, that show talked about gay marriage. That show mm-hmm. talked about racism. That mm-hmm. show talked yeah. about Alzheimer's. That show talked about... You know, um, it, and it was sex positive abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. which is shocking. I mean, sex positive in that era. We're barely sex positive now. Yeah, <laughs> it homelessness. It talked about ageism. Yeah. It talked about everything. I just and the way it happened, it was it was so <laughs> you know subversive in a sense because you didn't realize. Yeah. I just thought it was like funny episodes, but then when you put them back to back to back, and you realize, wait a second. Mm-hmm. there's something going on here. <laughs> yeah. 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 It talked about a lot of stuff. It talked about AIDS and, you know, HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah ra- raise your hand if you were radicalized by the golden girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you that's every Friday night, NBC. There you go. Speaking of things that uh, are radical, tell us about Joey's wedding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Joey, you heard that was him, right? <laughs> that wasn't me. Um, no, 
Yeah, so here's the thing. Had no idea what to expect. I just knew that Carolyn and I decided that we were going to go and we were going to support our boy uh, and all was good. So we, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I don't even know where to begin. So we show up uh, the day of the wedding. Uh, we decide we want to do a couple of things. Um, so we meet for lunch and then we make our way, we race our way back to the hotel where I was staying so we can get dressed and get to the wedding. Believing that we're late and everything, we have our gifts and everything in tow. We're ready to go. We're get, we get there. We walk in. Everyone's waiting in the lobby. You can see that Joey is surrounded by people that, well, the wedding is going to be filled with people that love him. And it was just, the, the weather was nice. The sun was out. It was a beautiful day. Um, so we walk in. We go up to the rooftop. The, we're sitting on the roof because this is where it was, and it's beautiful. It's just a simple thing looking over the, looking over at the, excuse me, looking over at the ocean. And so we're like, all right, well, we're going to hang out here. They had popcorn and everything. It was great. Carol and I sat down, uh, hanging out. Joey comes out, you know, the groomsmen come out. Joey comes out and he is just all swag, hands in pocket, throwing <laughs> up a peace sign as he's walking up to the front all swag i'm like i look at carolyn i'm like look at this guy I'm like he's like, <laughs> he's just he's ready to do this so we get up there they start going through starting the process uh the officiate gives you know the ground rules this is what we're going to do don't be taking out your phone and we'll cut you all that stuff so <laughs> they get up there and then just as they're about to get going <laughs> there's an announcement made that there's been a fire emergency found in the hotel. Wow. Oh, no. And, yeah. And so they're like, this is a fifth floor, by the way. And they're like, yeah, um, we're going to need everybody to evacuate the building. <laughs> or like the hell they will. Um, so we had to wait there for a little while. They basically told us everything was fine. <laughs> so Joey's like, all right, everyone, back to one. Back to one. <laughs> we're going to do this over again. And so everyone walked back out <laughs> and waited for... Uh, everything to quiet down and then came back in. And we, Carol and I were just like, yep, that's a Joey wedding. Uh, and so we all sat there a little bit longer. So they get into the wedding. And here's where I will say it just became clear that there have never been people happier to get married in their lives. I, I can oh. honestly tell you because there was just laughing. I think Joey dehydrated himself with all the tears. I mean, he was just, I mean, Emily barely got through you know, like the first sentence and, Joe, and you know, Joey's like bawling, but laughing, she's laughing, she's bawling. It was just, they're cracking jokes. Aww. It was just really, really fun and entertaining to watch. It was just really, really a great time. Um, they wrote their vows and <laughs> Joey has to learn about when to break a sentence because he would end the sentence on one page and it would sound really awkward. And then turn the page and finish it. And you're like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Because before, it was a little dicey. Um, but it was just part of the fun of it all. It was really just part of the fun of it. Was so there they, any as bad as the, like, Dr. Horrible, I hate the homelessness problem in our city? <laughs> no, it was like, it was like uh, I'm just so lucky to, ha to have had you in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, oh, ooh, wait, hold on a second. Um, but no, it was hysterical. It was really funny. And so, you know, we go down, and I can't lie, they didn't, they did not 
they 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 set the folks up at the little cocktail hour with the food and they had stuff coming left and right. They had a little, they had a little Philly cheesesteak stand. It was so good. Um what? pasta. That sounds they, amazing. They, yeah, pasta stand. They had all kinds of, you know, like the charcuterie board, well, charcuterie table, um, and then just different things going around in the bar and everything. So then you go in and you're in the, the dining area where they have you have to from a wall pick out your table and the table is you know, basically like we were sitting at the Jersey city table. Um, and you sit there and, you know, obviously all the food and everything comes um, and I'll wrap it up. I promise. But then outside, <laughs> there's like an outside deck area with like games and board. There's like cornhole out there. There's like puzzles out there. There's like all these things. So like you can either dance or you can go outside and play all the games and be a part of the photo booth to be a part of all these different things that I have going out there. They thought of everything. It was just so fun. But the thing that was so interesting was that I guess there was some arrangement about who can who will dance when. Joey will probably clarify when it comes back. Uh, but somebody would only dance if there was Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody playing. So there Wait, were what? like four versions of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Someone covered oh. by different people that played. And every single time it played, the dance floor just went crazy. <laughs> That's their song. Wow. It really just went crazy. Joey was, he was going in. Joey was like, nope, I'm dropping it all the way like it's hot. I'm <laughs> I saw some of his moves on the dance floor. People were posting some video. Joey was sliveling those down. hips. Oh, he was all in. He was all in. Um, they were just having, I swear to you, I didn't get it on video, but I, I do know at one point the entire bridal party, including the bride, were twerking. I'm positive of it. I know I saw it. <laughs> But um, no, it was just such a great time. The people were great. The the love was there. Everyone, you know, the speeches, the the food, the just the atmosphere. It's like before you knew it, it was like ten thirty at night, and you're just like, wait a minute, we got here at four. What happened? How did this happen so fast? Um, it was just that fun. So I I was just super 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 happy, you know, for the couple, and it was just clear that they are just going to have the best the best life you just i i wish there was some way to to visualize it for the audience to see how happy everyone was that night joey ate six hot uh no six uh ice cream bars did he give out ice cream bars as part of dessert <laughs> of course he did he's like hey did you, he comes over to me he's like hey did you have any of the ice cream bars i'm like of course i had one he goes yeah i had six i'm like okay <laughs> i'm like all right so that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite you did you get to um, meet his parents um, I met them just only in passing, but oh, still mom, got to talk to them. Oh my god, mom is hysterical. Oh man, okay? she is hysterical. She was she was holding court on the floor, and oh, and if you see his mom, you know where Joey got his dance moves from, hmm. because his wow. mom was letting it go. I mean, they were they were. I do think Joey might have injured himself when they played a ska version of a song. Um, cause all I know, there was a lot of windmilling and things were, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. yeah, it was, it was getting, I'm like, I think he might've pulled something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Joey's like, yeah, that took me out. I was like, yeah, I'm sure it was. No, it was just a great time. I was so happy for them. So, so, so happy for them. It was just, I'm glad I was able to go and see it and be a part of it. And yeah, just a good time. So congratulations to our boy, Joey. I had a great time. Congratulations to he and Emily. Uh, they just, you know, they are so perfect, so perfect together. I really wish I could re I had recorded the the vows, but you know, again, the officiant said he would cut us. So yeah, can't have that. No, so no, but no, it was great. It was great. So congrats to the family. That's fantastic. Very happy for him. I'm very eager to hear his side of the story when he comes back to the show, whenever that may be. 
Oh, he did send a picture to Carolyn and I of him opening our gifts. Nice. <laughs> and it was I'm, him ball. It was him balling, by the way. I'm really glad that you were both there to to represent and to be there for, you know, part of the, the TC family and stuff. We really wanted to go. It just didn't make sense for us uh, right now, but it's incredible that you were there and I'm I'm just so thrilled for them. That's awesome. You know I always try to represent. You do. You you always make an effort to do that stuff. It's one of my favorite things about you. Yeah. I try to represent. I try to be there yeah, to the degree that I can. So yeah, it was great. It was great. Sorry. It was fun. Speaking of being there, you know what I'm here for? <laughs> I'm here for some lightning rounds. <laughs> that segue though. Look, I'm trying. This could be a long one. Bob, why don't you kick things off for us this week? Okay, it being Halloween weekend and all, I re-re-re-read the utterly charming Paranorthern and the Chaos Bunny Ahopcalypse, written yes. by our good friend Stephanie Cook, with art by Marie Costa. It, it's just an inspired coming-into-oneself story about a young witch named Abby. And she's she has friends, of course. She's got a... Uh, Hannah, who's a ghost, Gita, who's a wolf girl, and someone who's my spirit animal, the very cranky, pumpkin-headed boy, Silas. <laughs> this is filled with Silas. just great messages without ever being preachy. And honestly, to me, it's a book that has all the earmarks of one of those stories that could become a Halloween classic. You want to reread all the time. Quick aside here, I just picked up a copy as a Halloween-slash-birthday gift for someone. And my local Barnes & Noble had Paranorthern prominently displayed on a must-read table just as you entered their massive children's section. Aww. So, mm-hmm. way to go, Barnes & Noble, and you too, Stephanie. There's a there's a little uh, aside here. I mean, if you haven't seen the Chaos Bunnies, they're absolutely amazing to look at. And so so the, the Hannah's saying to, to Abby, so, like, the bunnies come from this other dimension where everything is just um, chaos? Yeah, exactly, I think. And they want to cause chaos here now, too. I think it's just in their nature to destroy everything around them. But at least they look real cute while doing it. And that's what this book is about. It is utterly cute, but it it, it is horror-themed. And, and check out Paranorthern. So, moving go. on to... Very good. Uh, Catwoman, Lonely City Number 4 by Cliff Chang. And that was a bang-up finale to this four-issue Black Label mini. And while Selena's quest to take down Mayor Harvey Dent's oppressive rule doesn't come without loss, there's plenty gained at the end of the day here, too. Cliff Chang has a great take on these 10 years later versions of classic characters, and I'd love to see what's next for Gotham City in a follow-up. Definitely, definitely want to see that. In sort of this darker vein, Strange Number no. 7 by Jed McKay, Marcello Ferreira, Murapogi, Jonah Tartaglia, and Corey Pettit, it has the big reveal as to who the Harvestman really is, which I won't spoil here. That said, this issue showcases not only Clea's power, but the strength of her spirit, courage, and, well, heart. And I hope that's not too much of a clue. Next issue promises another big bad unmasking, as we may finally learn who comprises the blasphemy cartel. And from this first, this series has had its footprints in many places in Marvel lore, all of which are now paying off as we move forward. Strange is highly recommended from these quarters. Finally, Variance Number 4 by Gail Simone, Phil Noto, Corey Pettit. Well, this is another book about which I can't or won't say too much. 
Not that a book by Ms. Simone or Mr. Nero needs any hype from me, but this dive into the world, well, worlds of Jessica Jones, has been even better than I thought going in. No mean feat that, I'm just saying. Marvelous character work in both words and pictures. I'm going to leave you with two words that might help you jump into this book, as there are more than a few surprises in this penultimate issue, and those two words are variants assemble. <laughs> that's it for me. I will not I, be... Oh, Chris, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I love Paranorthern, too. I, oh. I read it because of this show back when I was merely a fan and not on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I relate to the concept of being cute but chaotically destroying everything in the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will not be surprised when one day Stephanie uh, messages you to tell you that there's like some kind of animated series or something in the works. Oh for that really i can incredible. totally see that being picked up i mean oh my gods as well but i think paranorthern has the potential to really go that way mm -hmm. in the future somebody's gonna be gonna hip onto that and you know offer her some kind of deal i hope yeah that would be amazing i, I would be like there see it. netflix cartoon i mean that would be fun yeah that Any would man. be cool i can think Man of a couple of studios that would be good for that. Yeah, yeah. Netflix, and we know you listen to our show. <laughs> Make it happen. I'm just putting it out in the world, secret style. <laughs> so. um, I'm trying to think. Catwoman, Lonely City, I am woefully behind. But you say it's done. This is the finale, yes. All right. I'm going to have to go and pick up my... I was getting that physically. I'll have to go to the store and pick those up. You want to see them in the large black label format because when they finally enter uh spoiler the bat cave holy ah. mackerel ah. holy ah. mackerel I, you just got me incited i'm here now <laughs> yeah. let me ask you all a question real quick hmm. if you if you pre-ordered something at your your local comic shop right hmm. and they accidentally ordered you the wrong book but you didn't realize that it was the wrong book until you were already driving home and you got out of the car and you picked it up and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. Hmm. Would you bring that book back to exchange it or would you just eat the cost of the book? What did you get? Yeah. What did you get instead and what did it cost? I had ordered a copy of um, Ben Khan's, oh my God. Renegade Rule? Shaman? No, the other one, the uh, the video game uh, one. Why is it Renegade escaping? Rule? No, the other video game one. Damn oh, it. Phoenix Right. Uh, yes, Phoenix, no, Phoenix, Phoenix. Thank Ray. you, Phoenix. Phoenix okay. something rising. That's what it Phoenix is. Rising. Phoenix Right is a different thing. <laughs> we got we got there. We got there. <laughs> I wanted I wanted another copy of Phoenix Rising, the mm -hmm. graphic novel mm -hmm. that they wrote, and I ended up getting this like hardbound compendium based on the game like the game oh. itself Ooh. and it's it's completely and totally not i thought that maybe they had gotten me like oh the hardcover version just has a different cover and so i didn't think huh. anything of it and then i got all the way home and i pick it up off of my passenger seat and i'm like wait a minute so all i'm saying yeah. is i still have the receipts <laughs> and i'm not trying to take the money away from them but huh. i'm thinking of being like hey you know like can I can I get this instead? Because this is this is not what I want. Right. Yeah. I've, I think that's I've done, reasonable. Yes. I've done things like that. My store, I'm sure yours is a very good place as well. 
They are. Maybe they'll cut you a break on it if you decide to keep it, or if they ordered one only, maybe they can put it on their shelf. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of made look. If you can get rid of this, you can. I didn't order this version of this book, which now cost twice what the other one was. Right. And you got rid of it eventually and gave me the, the, a really good price. I've, and I have sometimes ordered some things not understanding what they actually cost because preview sometimes hides the price. Mm-hmm. And it's all of a sudden, I didn't realize this was a $50 signed edition. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's my point. Right. And okay, so I get, uh, I'll get it at cost. Okay. So I should have let you know kind of thing or... I should have asked when you ordered it. it. There's a nice give and take if you've got a relationship with your shop. I, yeah, I would not I mean, hesitate I, to ask. There's yeah. definitely there's definitely innocence at play here. I don't yeah. think anybody was meaning to order the wrong thing. I just and they've known me for ten years. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm not committing some kind of like comic book crime or no, anything. No, I think that's no. really reasonable. If it was like something like a cool other comic that you maybe were interested in, I would have probably been like, read it instead. But that sounds like it's not something that's yeah. for Instead you me, at like, all. Kicking yeah. the door in and being like, I'm here to take the food out of your mouth. That's right. You smack the hot dog that he's yeah. already eating out of his hand. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no food for you until you fix this. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Um, Still haven't read Strange. <laughs> I got it, though. I own it. It's going to happen. Next I week. think you'll enjoy it. You're seven issues in now. I can't wait to take the ride. I am, I am being genuine about that. I'm really looking forward to it. I really, really remember loving that first issue. I don't know what my hangup has been, um, but we'll see. I'll get a, I'm going to try to make that a goal for next time. Okay. I'm sorry that it wasn't this time. Has anyone read Variants, Gail Simone? It's amazing. I, I didn't read this issue yet. Yeah, yeah I've not read four, but I, I I know what you mean when you say variants assemble, and I'm very excited about it. It's a Jessica it is... Jones mystery. Oh, Gail Simone. Yeah, we had that conversation about uh, me and the purple man and how I get yeah. oddly turned on whenever he shows up. He's a great <laughs> villain. Oh, you're going to love this issue then. Oh, man. He's so like, that was what, what we were talking about in another episode with me thinking Jessica Jones is this very tragic but also like interesting and powerful character and every time every time that i've read her i've just fallen in love with her story more and more um she's great she's great um we should probably move move on aaron why don't you go next sure all right so you might hear me ramble a little bit primarily because there are so many things going on with this book that honestly i don't even know if i exactly know what's happening but i'm going to try to piece it all together that is the magic order three magic order number three issues three and four and i say that because there are a variety of competing storylines that i believe at the end of issue four we begin to see coming together so the end of issue two, well, issue two was a little bit of a, a memory, sort of like a, a flashbacky type thing of Salome and Leonard, some of the Moonstones who, you know, we get to see their past, how they met. Essentially, Salome, uh, she is gifted, if you want to call it that, with the ability to see the future, but also where she is and how exactly it's going to play out um, in a way that is 
100% certain. So when something's happening that she's seen already, she knows exactly what's going to happen. And she resigns herself. And because of that, some things that she experienced, she basically locked herself away in this place that almost no one can get to her except for the love of her life, Leonard, who gets to her and reveals to her that there may be a need for her back in the real world. And that's kind of where it ends. So then we pick up at issue three, having nothing to do with that story. Um, uh, almost, well, to some degree, you get to see them a little bit and they essentially decide they're going to ride some horses off into the ocean. And then you uh, don't see them again for a while. But what you do get to see is a little bit of a story of Rosie. If you don't, I don't know if, if you if you read the previous uh, volumes, you know that Rosie was the child of one of the Magic Order, who turned out to have a prominent role in that story. Rosie kind of died. Rosie was brought back. It led to a bunch of things that I think we're still gonna we're still waiting to see the payoff for. But Rosie is a gifted young uh, wizard. I put Rosie at like ten years old, I believe. She is a gifted, gifted young wizard um, who is taken under the wing of one of the magic order uh, to be trained. It turns out, though, her training may be short-lived for a variety of reasons because Rosie finds herself in peril and we get to see a little bit of how that is going to end. But shifting gears again, now we're over to the other storyline, which is learning that stories in this world create, wait for it, a multiverse. Um, so basically their theory is, well, the way it's explained is, stories are real. So one of the examples given is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, at the end of the story, you know, you know, it ended the way it ended, but in reality, the reality that created, it continues to go on to a point where people are holed up in Vatican City because it's uh, one of the holiest places on the planet and it's the only place that the vampires didn't take over and, and, and kill the world. Um, this becomes relevant because the objective is stories or stories create a reality of their own. Um, and then that leads us to another storyline. This is what I'm talking about. There's a variety of different storylines happening here <laughs> where uncle Edgar, again, if you read the previous ones, you know who uncle Edgar is. Uncle Edgar basically walks the halls of this home and he seems like a sweet old man who, you know, uh, essentially is just a doubting old fool, but you find out uncle Edgar has a, story of his own and he may be beginning to remember it which is not necessarily a good thing there are so many competing storylines going on here and it's exactly as batshit as i just said it there's so many things happening I, I you can see the threads of them all coming together now but you just have to hang on for the ride um the storytelling is still great the the passion that was on the page between salome and leonard i think is palpable um that alone is something to 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 read because it really does it's a, it was a great story, piece of storytelling, um, but there's a lot going on. Um, the one thing I will say is a little quibble is that I don't necessarily know if I love the art. By the way, I should have said this is by Mark Millar and Gigi Camarego. Um, I don't necessarily love the art as much. Um, it's not as refined as I believe the previous ones, as Quipel was. Um, I just, yeah, so that's the thing. Um, but it's still good. <laughs> it's just Anyway, get on top of that. Just jump in. You Once you get in there, you're just sort of like sunk in. And you don't even know what's happening, but you don't really care because it's just beautiful storytelling. Anyway, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, AXE Judgment Day number six, Kieran Gillen, Valerio Shidi. You know, it's superheroes. It's what it's supposed to be. 
So you've heard us going on and on and on about Judgment Day and all the tie-ins and all that stuff for a while. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. And this is the finale. This is how is it going to end? What's going to happen? And I do wish my boys were here to, to, to give me some insights here. There's a lot going on. Short story. The Eternals and their Celestials have the goal of, well, the Eternals have the goal of basically rubbing out any excessive deviance, and the mutants are seen as excessive deviance, and so the Eternals that theoretically have to kill them creates this big ruckus. Uh, the Avengers get involved, so it's the Avengers, the X-Men, and the uh, Eternals. You get it now, AX-8. So in any event, there's this whole big Ocean's Eleven style uh, attempt to figure out how to get out of this, how to take down the Celestial who's about to pass judgment on the world and determine that the world will not go on. Um, sacrifices are made. The stakes are raised. Some things happened in a previous issue that I've already said on air I didn't love. They play that out a little bit more here, but it leads to a place where I'm happy to say I was wrong about, and that was resurrection would be eliminated. So I can say that without spoiling some things, but there were some some sacrifices and some compromises that had to be made. The weirdest people were who passed the exams, passed the judgment. The, the people you thought were obvious did not pass the judgment. Essentially, it all came down to worthiness, but not the worthiness of those who you think would be judged, but rather the worthiness of those of that, the, the one who would be judging. Um, and it's sort of the way it sort of circled back around on itself to create a, I wouldn't say a solution, but to create an ending was interesting. There was a part of me that felt like it may have been a little anticlimactic and a little bit too on the nose with the, 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 the overarching theme it was trying to preach. Um, there's a couple of pages that are a couple of, of I don't know, shots, a uh, splash page or so that I thought was maybe a little, little heavy handed in the ultimate lesson that we were supposed to take away. But overall, I think this was a good, a really good event. Um, I enjoyed the art immensely. I enjoyed the fast paced storytelling immensely. I enjoyed that it didn't drag. I enjoyed that some people got their comeuppance. Um, I enjoyed, <laughs> I will say I was a little frustrated at, once again, the Avengers placed themselves in the middle of, hey, see, look at this. We won this battle. No, you didn't win this battle. Half of you were wiped out. You were smited. You know, <laughs> you were smited. You were barely on any of the pages. So, yeah, it, it was just one of those things where I'm just like, can someone just put the Avengers back in the bottle, please? Um, but overarchingly, I think it was a good book. I think it was a good storyline. I think it was a lot of fun. I think it's the pace that these things need to go at. I don't think we needed as many tie-ins, but I because quite frankly, I didn't read all the tie-ins, but I still enjoyed the story. Um, I would recommend if you're going to read the story, just read the the main line. I think you'll be fine. So it's it was enjoyable. Get on that. That's my lightning round. Shut a damn. The X Men ride has been a lot of fun. I had uh, dipped back into the main book, and so I'm kind of up on all of the resurrection stuff but i feel like maybe now i might be missing a few pieces um i can share with you later but yeah there was it, the, the <laughs> resurrection it's there's no change to the status quo of the resurrections for the for mutants what was interesting is that they did quantify what they are going i don't think this is a spoiler they did quantify ultimately what they are trying to do with the resurrections and they estimated it will take 10 years for them to resurrect all the people that were killed in the genocidal 
you know, attacks on the X-Men, on the on mutants. Um, but there's a reason why they quantified that number that you'll find interesting when you see in the, when you get to that part of the book, if you get to that part of the book. Well, it depends. Are you going to read AXE? Um, I mean, maybe eventually. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it sounds like I should, because one of the things that you mentioned a few episodes ago about a certain character being resurrected, we could probably mm-hmm. say who that person is now. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, not only am I fascinated by that, but I kind of want to know if that ends up going anywhere. And mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm only going to get that story nope. in this book. Probably, yes. Probably. Well, I don't know how they're going to deal with it moving forward in other books. It probably will come out in other books, but I can just say right now it's only mentioned in this book. It'll probably have to come out, to be honest with you, in some other books. Um, it will definitely come out if you're continuing to read X-Men. It'll definitely come out there. I'm just saying as of this point, having read some of the the tie-ins i don't it wasn't mentioned anywhere else it's a it's a i'll say it's a compromise of sorts all right it's a compromise of sorts yeah but yeah has it changed the marvel universe forever that's the question i need to answer it honestly in this instance it might it it really might It, it really really might in a small way but it really really might um because the the political ramifications of this, the class-related ramifications of this, the, yeah, what does this mean? Are they still, you know, remember, because this is a scenario where, this continues to be a scenario where no matter what they do, the mutants are still hated and feared, you know, Um, but there's, it it could be spun, the story could be spun that the reason everyone was being judged as there were too many deviant mutants around. So you can scapegoat the other right there. And that's, that's a great little piece of political theater. What I do love is that Sinister was most annoyed that he was never judged. He's like, it's like, I'm not even here. He shouldn't be. You're, you're, he should just go. It's just like, Hey, how come he's not coming to me? What's happening? I ran into Sinister in something else that I was reading. I don't know if it was Secret Invasion, but it was something old school Marvel. And it wasn't like the Sinister, the sassy Sinister that we now know and love. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man, (laughs) I miss Sassy Sinister. (laughs) With the cape. He's always about the cape. Oh, I love the cape. He's always about the cape. Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah, to answer your question again, Bob, yeah. If they... If if there's been a mandate to to uh, to really incorporate the compromise here into other books, then yeah, it could really it could actually make real in sto- in continuity what we've said about comics all along. Death doesn't mean anything. Mm. So with that said, Shaza, damn. <laughs> Sounds like I need to go back and reread Magic Order because it sounds confusing and fascinating at the same time. <laughs> I was I really enjoying that. And then I, I got tripped up on the second arc. And so now I need to probably reread the second one and then continue on with the third at this point. I, I will say when I re- went back and revisited issue two and then read issues three and four together, I was like, OK, now I get it. But at the time when I was going through, I was like, wait, what? How do we, why are we talking about this? Why are we, 
what happened to that thing over there? I'm like, that was kind of pressing, you know, last issue. Seems like we just forgot it. But then it all, the threads start to come together. So I'm like, oh, I see what's happening now. I see what you did there. Yeah, just beautiful storytelling. I just wish the art held up as well as it did with the previous arcs, but it's it's not awful. It's just not as clean and as fluid. All right. I'm still looking forward to it. You haven't dissuaded me from anything. Oh, I'm really enjoying it. I think you should. I'm really enjoying it. I shall. All right. Uh, If there's something else, Chris, it is your turn. Okay. Uh, So for people who are clearly on the edge of their seat for this, Taylor Swift talk is coming. Not today. (laughs) It's coming. I I need Joey here for this. So we're going to save it. But I have thoughts for days. Uh, This is already too long of a show anyway. We can't get into Taylor Swift today. But I will talk some webtoons for you all. So I finished up some of my Halloween reading with three, well, two genuinely creepy comics and one that is creepy cute. Uh, So on the high and heavy horror side of things, I read Savior's Time. So Savior's Time is a webtoon about um, this man who loses his sister to suicide and becomes curious what happened because to his knowledge, there was nothing wrong. So he starts looking into it and finds his way to a strange app called Savior Time. Uh, He gets on the app by claiming that his dead sister invited him to it and gets into something that he doesn't understand and no one will explain to him how the app works what happens but it seems that while he originally thought that everything is a game mechanic on the outside it's affecting the world around him on the outside so things are strange in savior time this is a comic that's completely finished so you can read the entire thing but it is one of those where the first several issues you can read that are unlocked and then you can unlock one a day or use oh, coins. I know. Or you can use coins. You. Or you can use coins to unlock all of them. But if you wait if you do one a day, you can read it for free. Uh and honestly, they're they're chonky issues. So you can probably read one a day and be fine. Um other than that, I also read I'm the Grim Reaper, which is this beautiful, weird, colorful Wait a minute. Co- yes. Wait a minute. Yes. Did I recommend this to you? <gasps> oh my God, you did. <laughs> oh, it's finally happened. Did I forget? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I, I, it was on my list for a while. I forgot it was. Yes, you did. And it, I'm reading it. It's so good, Steve. It rules, right? Yeah, it does. So for people, did you talk about it on the show already? I Barely. Okay, so for people who don't remember Steve's uh, talk about it, I'm the Grim Reaper is a story where um, a person wakes up in the afterlife and is offered a chance to become a Grim Reaper or else spend the rest of eternity in the lowest, uh, most circle of hell because they are one of the worst sinners that has ever lived. Uh, so our main character decides obviously to become a Grim Reaper. So the deal is that she has to kill one sinner every day by the end of the day, or else she'll be sentenced back to hell. Um, she pairs up with an absolutely derpy cop who also is a sinner, it seems, because, uh, she starts following him around because she figures that in his day to day, he'll lead her to a lot of people that she can read. 
um, hijinks ensues. It's cuter than you think it would be, but also <laughs> genuine horror. <laughs> Uh, and finally, if you heard those and were like, too scary, no thanks, I give you Moonlighting on Webtoons. This is a comic about a werewolf who has a bit of a mishap with changing at the wrong time and ends up changing into his human naked form in front of an ancient vampire who is a bit intrigued by that ass. No joke. Awkward. <laughs> Uh, it leads to him having to become the vampire's official handyman to make up for intruding on vampire property. But the vampire probably has more romantic intentions. It is adorable. Also, I'm continuing my trend of always bringing one non-comic thing to this comic show, and it was going to be Midnight's, but since it isn't, I want to shout out to the book that just came out, uh, Lavender House by Lev A.C. Rosen. If you like Agatha Christie and said, what if this was gayer, though? Lavender House. <laughs> <laughs> it is a story set in the 1950s where this incredibly wealthy family that owns a soap company uh, turns out to actually be a lavender marriage, a.k.a. a man married to a woman, but the man is gay and the woman's a lesbian, and their house is secretly a safe place for queer people until a murder happens and they can't bring in the real cops without revealing what's really going on. So they find a, a person who was thrown out of being a cop because he was gay. It's delightful. And the sequel's coming out next year. And that is my lightning round. More, uh, more cops in your lightning round than usual. Oh, <laughs> oh I guess there's two. Yeah, it's two more than usual. More usual. I will say I, I do love, I have a long and deep history of loving a mystery. So I try to avoid the ones that are objectively cop-based mysteries, to be totally honest with you. Uh, but unfortunately, even in the ones that aren't cop-based mysteries like Grim Reaper or Lavender House, you still end up interacting with the cops of the stories. So that's that's present. But both of them, I would note, are disgraced cops who are no longer cops. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw a, a police-oriented mystery magical Ooh. thing at you. Black magic. Oh, Greg yeah. Rucka and Nicholas Scott. Oh. Uh, it's oh, that, on hiatus scary. for a bit, but it is oh. brilliant at every level. It is this police woman who's also a witch. Lots and of vagina. This, this, yes, there's lots of that. <laughs> A absolutely beautiful. It's a black and white book, except for these occasional pops of color that absolutely shine. It's just an amazing yeah. book. Not nearly enough of it. It's like I said, it's on hiatus right now, but certainly, certainly worth your time to Ooh, check okay. out. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. That sounds great. You, Chris, you would devour it, and Bronwyn mm. has also read it, so okay. that could be yeah. a a thing. Good Ooh. nexus point for the two of you. Yeah. Okay. It really um, is great. Yeah. Yeah. We had it nominated a couple of times. Yes, we one, did. So. It's called oh, Black Magic. Black Magic with a K at the end. Yes. Yeah. That's a good that's image. an all timer. That series. It's it's incredibly good. I yes. am downloading it on the library app just now. Cool. I now, got caught up with that in an emergency room. I remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. And here's here's one you can get for free on DeviantArt, but I'm sure Ooh. it can be downloaded somewhere. 
it's on the Grim Reaper front. Stepan Shades did a book called Death Vigil. Ooh. About a whole bunch of Reapers. It is absolutely beautiful, first of all. But you can yeah. go to his Deviant Art page and he used Stepan Shades on Deviant Art. Uh-huh. And PDF high quality, four volumes of it to sit near to read all by itself. Yep. And you'll fall in love with, with yeah. Sam and the crew, I'm sure. Yeah. Last time I checked, that is Bronwyn's favorite um, comic book. Period. Oh my! Wow. Okay. Well, I'm definitely reading those. Yeah, I, I'm deeply obsessed with Grim Reaper stories. So if anyone has any, feel free to recommend them oh, to me. Anytime. Death Vigil. I want. I want you to come back and talk about Death Vigil. That's okay, what we'll we do. Wanted. Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, I, I during my month of reading horror and monster fuckers, I did read a <laughs> bunch of Grim Reaper romances that were great. Ah. <laughs> Have you seen Dead Like Me? I haven't. Oh, you okay. gotta see that show. I'll do it. I will. Here add we are again, list. hoping that it holds up. But okay, I will report uh, back on that front too. <laughs> I remember it being excellent. It is about it's it's a Grim Reaper show. It is yeah. funny. The characters I remember were great. Um yeah. I would be curious. I would be. I would rewatch it along with you. Maybe the three of us could Ooh, watch it. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bronwyn and I will actually be covering one of the Grim Reaper romances on our show pretty soon. Can I remember the title of it? No, I've been calling it the Gay Grim Reaper book, so of course I don't know what it is. But we'll be covering it, so keep an eye on that. I'm All looking right. up to see if I can find it. But go for it. <laughs> That's a good enough description. We could find it from that, I think. So Maybe. you say, as if there aren't many Gay Grim Reaper stories, which I believe there are. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be adding Moonlighting to my list of webtoons that I it's need to read and or get back to. You should read Save Your Time, too, just so I'm not the only one going down this spiral. <laughs> I need to, What I need to do is I need to just block off a week where I just read webtoons, because yes. otherwise I'm not going to get caught up with stuff. Do it, Steve. Oh, it's really hard dividing my time now between the books I'm still buying and then the DC <laughs> Infinite 2000 and now webtoons. <laughs> uh that's fair. Uh, the book is called Until His Last Goodbye by Kiki Clark. I found it. Um, but yes, also you all made me buy DC Infinite Ultra 2000 Mega, whatever the fuck it's yes. called. Yes. Uh, which, uh, you know, Steve was like, don't worry, it'll save you money because you won't be buying the issues. If all everyone remembers, I already wasn't buying the issues. So this did not save me money. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have some uh opportunities to make good choices that you didn't take I, there were there have been several lately let's just say and if this is the worst of them i'd be in a very different place no. well <laughs> cheers, cheers. I, I think you'll enjoy it in the long run mm-hmm. you'll get to read your tim drake i already am enjoying it i'm not gonna lie it's great and i am yeah, reading I'll, my tim drake so that's fun i'll talk more about uh dc infinite in a minute I will say that mm-hmm. DC Infinite had this big thing going on where they were like, there people. Well, <laughs> people are raging at them in their in their chats about the fact that there's a bug that has existed on the iPad for like six months or, or a year now, and they just don't seem to want to prioritize it. I mm-hmm. went down that rabbit hole. It's just the orientation yeah. thing, but yeah. Every it's... once in a while, it just closes when you click on a comic. Too. <laughs> Which yes, yes, fun. I've had that happen. Yeah. It drives me yeah. so wild. It's, sometimes it'll do it like 12 times in a row, and you're like, fine, I guess I'm not reading that comic deal. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want that one. You want this one. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. I'll just go read a Davian Wayne issue for the 200th time instead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to get to to know the interface a little bit the more I use it, but it's not it's about as friendly as the webtoon one and I don't really care for either. Um <laughs> it's a little better than the webtoon. It's one. a little Let's better, but not it. by much. It's <laughs> At least um, you can search things on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I need I need to spend more time with it. I think not this week, but next week. I think it'll be a month since I like out from books that I think that I purchased this thing. So mm-hmm. theoretically, next week starts the first week that I didn't buy the DC books outright. So like mm-hmm. that really starts my my DC Infinite vacuum cleaner story. I don't know what else to call it anymore. I'm running out of jokes here. Uh, <laughs> somebody give me some lightning, please. <laughs> Speaking of DC Infinite something something, uh, I read <laughs> JSA Woo. one through six. I've started the journey. Now, which one uh, is this one? There are so many books called JSA or I Justice know. Society. I'll tell <laughs> you. I'll tell you. That. I think I, I think I did this okay. Uh, JSA one through five, written by James Robinson and David Goyer, pencils by um, Stephen uh, Sadowski, inks by Michael Bear. Uh, letters by Ken Lopez, and then JSA 6 is written by David Goyer and Jeff Johns. Guest pencils by Marcos Martin, guest inks by Keith Champagne, uh, colors by John Calise, and letters by Ken Lopez. So 6 is where Johns joins Goyer, and then I have to assume that Johns eventually just takes the torch and runs with it on his own. Um, I'm trying to remember now. It goes a long way back. Is this the golden age james robinson or maybe i can describe to you what i read and you can let me know yeah Um, let's do that so i only i only wrote down a couple of bullet points here because these are you know significant issues and there's a lot going on but i basically just instead of doing a bunch of plot points i just kind of wrote down a couple of observations as i was going through this um you have to remember that i am wholly unfamiliar with a lot of this universe, DC in particular, I fare much better in Marvel uh, when it's some of the older stuff. But um, DC, I am I am woefully out of my uh, comfort zone if it's not Bat uh, Family related. So, reading JSA has been a fascinating exercise in classic comic book reading. And it's made me realize a few differences between contemporary and old school comics. If DC is trying to be edgy these days, they may want to look back at stories from nearly two decades ago. Everyone is sad at the start of JSA. The series even opens with a funeral for Wesley Dodds. And several of uh, the few people in attendance are either rude, ignoring the service altogether, or speechifying about mortality. It's a wild way to open a book, especially when the service ends with the death of another comrade at a battle against an undead horde and the arrival of Scarab, who looks like he walked off the set of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> you've got a lot of people in this first issue. You have Adam Smasher, Black Canary, Adam Scott, Jack Knight, who is a complete tool, uh, Our Man, who is cool as hell, 
Hippolyta, Star Spangled Kid, Wildcat, Johnny Thunder, the list goes on. Overall, the characters feel more mature in JSA than in the stuff that I'm reading now. They're darker and not just because they're at a funeral. Their conversations feel like they have more weight and their relationships with one another feel more strained and complex. I like that. You can feel the bad blood and the jealousy and the tension between them. It is very evident in their conversations at this funeral. And uh, Starman is is quite rude to uh, Star Spangled Kid at the at the start there. I know he loosens up after a little bit, but he's a bit of a jerk. Uh, let's see. Star Spangled Kid and Hot Girl are great as individual characters, but. I'm also picking up a vibe. I don't know if it ever goes anywhere, but it should because the heat is on. It's on the street. Uh, Mordo shows up. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Mordo shows up uh, to sacrifice a baby before it can become the next Dr. Fate. I love the part where Mordo uh, punted Adam Smasher like a football. It's pretty amazing. I laughed my ass off. Uh, the rebirth of Dr. Fate, spoilers, was a very cool moment. But I have questions. I have questions. Does anybody remember this moment from this this run at all? I'm trying to remember as you were reading, as you were saying. Okay, yeah. I'll paint you a picture. If a newborn child, you've got a whole, you've got a, you're at the hospital, right? And you're up on the, on the floor, on the pediatrics floor. And you have that room with all the babies and the little cradles and all the people, all the parents come up to the window and they, ooh. And one of them is the chosen one, right? They're supposed to be the next Dr. Fate. This child, within hours of being born, is thrown into this superhero shenanigan situation and is transformed into the next incarnation of Dr. Fate, which in this case is this old white guy. I believe uh, the baby was, was... born female and then becomes this old white guy later on in the story is kids turning into the next incarnation of something and skipping their entire the entire childhood to live someone else's life seems wrong to me isn't that kind of a little bit about how the the first dr fate uh came about wasn't he aged I think this I, might I be... if, we go, if we go back into the 40s, I think if we go back into the yeah later years of it, yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about the concept of a child being reincarnated it's into. It's I know, I know, but when I read it, I was I felt so that's bad thick, for this kid. This that's... kid was robbed. Go ahead. You're not wrong. No, you're not right. Here's the thing. Um, the run the, this run this goes for a long time. I'm just looking at at the the history of this. Yeah. Once Jeff Johns comes on board, which is five, and then goes for the next I don't know seventy five issues. Oh yeah. This is where you, you start to see the JSA and the legacy and the, the. It's still some grim stuff. Don't get me wrong. It is comics and stuff goes on, but. It's the idea of legacy and star girl and new heroes and, and so on and so forth. And you need it to get started, but it's, it's what follows that made, I think all of us, but I shouldn't say that I fell in love with the justice society in the sixties. Um, mm-hmm. But these books through the early two thousands that John's did with a couple of different titles, these are some special books. 
Now, I don't know how far into this you're going to get, but I think you'll enjoy what you sample. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it now. Like I'm, I'm gets, being like it gets, be- it gets better. Yeah, no, but it's I I'm already having a good time with it. I don't want to give the impression that I'm not enjoying it because I am. It's been fun between Secret Invasion and this kind of digging into the archives a little bit and going back because I'm for the last ten years I've been somebody who doesn't really do this sort of thing. You know, I'm always getting the new books and seeing what's going on and following along with these newer stories, thinking that my comic book journey started 10 years ago with talking comics. And then that was it. I don't want to go back unless it's fantastic four or something like that. But some of the other stuff, especially the DC universe is extremely foreign to me. Like I've never met some of these characters. I've never read a single comic with any of them. Black, uh, black Adam shows up ever so briefly yes, in one does. of these issues for like two minutes, gets his ass kicked <laughs> and disappears. More. Yeah, you will. You'll, you'll, you'll see, see more of his thing. ass? Yes. No? Okay. <laughs> the little the little bottom piece, you know, the part that sticks out of the uh, suit? The no? little bottom the piece. Cheek, the peak of the cheeks. <laughs> the cheek peak that happens the cheek with the peak black that, autumn You know, cast. you always got to grab the little <laughs> bottom and pull it down a little bit. That's Black Adam's porn name. Hey. <laughs> the little bottom piece. Like I said, about how you pronounce it. It's about how you say it. It's really about where the inflections go. Do anyway, we think go ahead, Black so. Adam is a bottom? Is that is that where we're landing on that? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> to be continued. I I'm in, I'm enjoying being introduced to these characters. It's a fun experience for me. Um, it's an ed- it's educational. In, in its own way. And it's cool because like, I don't mean to get all, all James Cameron. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I just, these, these characters in this universe is being written differently back then. You know, this is a couple of decades removed from what people are doing now. I'm not saying that people aren't pushing boundaries of certain things in certain arenas. Now they certainly are, but these characters just feel like they have a lot more going on than I'm well, used to. Like some of the heroes that I well, read now are kind of just concerned about what's immediately happening in front of them. And there's not a whole lot of history being brought to the stories. Well, Robinson is a comic book historian as is Jeff Johns. And you're looking at characters that even this far back had 60 years of publishing history. Yeah, and if you're interested in the history of the DC universe, or the in a lot of cases the the original Justice Society, where the all American comics half of things, mm-hmm. uh, that that I don't want to get into the weeds on that. I could do a half hour on that, but you're looking at the Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman in their original incarnations. Doctor Fate follows soon after that. Early Black Canary, who's from '47, Johnny Thunder, a little earlier than that. These are characters that people read when comics sold millions of copies a month and people had great affection for these characters. They disappeared when comics got shut down by the mob, you mm-hmm. know, by Dr. Wortham and his crew came back in the sixties and there were people, they were gone for, you know, 15 years or so. And people who remembered still love them. People like myself who had never encountered them wanted to go back. And thanks to people like Gardner Fox in those Justice League JSA crisis crossovers for all every summer for years and years and years, 
we got to revisit these characters when they finally showed up again in the revamped all-star comics in the 70s I said wow these are these are great characters that could keep coming back no they kept getting canceled over and over and over again and that it looks like jeff johns is bringing them back really soon i'm thrilled i'm thrilled i'm glad you're starting to take the journey yeah it's been it's been a blast and i you know i really like i really like some of the characters i'm really enjoying star spangled kid there is a point where she's kind of staring into a vortex and she's like whoa she says to herself stop and think courtney the best thing right now would be to call someone ted knight maybe or pat or and then she just leaps into the vortex no no cares in the world i just i love her get up and go it's fantastic well now that now that you've read some courtney how is watching courtney Oh, I mean, I enjoyed those Stargirl episodes that I watched when we were doing the end of the year stuff. Um, I have all the the seasons. I just got to dip back in and go. It's uh, We have a story about it later. It looks like I won't have much of a problem catching up, unfortunately. But it's cool. It's it's nice to go back and get a little bit of a firsthand education about this stuff because I've always just heard it, you know, here on the show through all of you. And it's always seemed like a good time, but it's always felt super daunting. And I'm finding that I have a, a bit more um, like patience and more of an attention span. I still don't remember all the crazy details. Um, oh, you just, can't because you're into, uh, again, 60 years of... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I did. How did Green Lantern get his powers? Oh, he found a lantern in a train wreck. Yeah. There's no <laughs> well, guardians. There's no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I can't, I can't do like recaps for each each of these issues because too much stuff is going. Like I, I skipped the entire plot line of that second arc, um, which was really, really cool. But I just, I just can't. I got other books to talk about. <laughs> don't, don't read it like you're doing a book report. Just read it to enjoy. Read it to enjoy. It. Yes, yeah. perfect. All yeah, right. and, and also just you have to with DC Comics just kind of dive in and be like. Uh-huh. Who know who knows how much of this will be canon literally next issue. So you just kind of like swim in it. Yeah. That's what that's my perspective as someone who's read DC a long time and can mm-hmm. still not figure out whether Tim's parents are dead or alive. Yeah. Depends who's writing <laughs> really, it. Yeah. It turns out Megan Fitzmartin says they're dead. So they're dead right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I'll say this. It's really cool to have something like DC Infinite and be able to say to myself, you know, I've always wanted to read these things, but I wasn't going to spend the $80 for mm-hmm. the compendium to get, you know, volume one of this giant run. And then meanwhile, I paid one annual fee at a discount and it's all there while yeah. I'm waiting for my regular books to show up and to start the pattern of each week that I sign on, there'll be stuff that I missed. Um, so reading this stuff in the meantime has been great. Yeah. Anyway. You want to say something, Chris? Um, I was I was about to be a joke, but every time you throw to me when I'm about to make a joke, it makes them feel stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, come with us into a world of DC Comic Nation. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. I like that. But it's so much worse because you were like, hey, what are you saying? I know. <laughs> No, everyone stop. Chris has a joke. <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta go for it. You just gotta go for it. 
But just keep trying to interject until you finally get your chance and then just, throw it out try. there to, to dead air and be like, all right. <laughs> anyway, next. Yeah. So glad you're all with me on this journey. <laughs> huh? Anybody? Huh? 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 Yeah, come on. All right. I, I was a college professor. I did that constantly. So it's fun. All of the dead-eyed stares from 8 a.m. college students. That was me. You were the 8 a.m. college student? I was at one point. Mm-hmm. I went to two different schools, so twice. Yeah. yeah. Sucks, right? I get it. I get it from their perspective. But imagine me telling my best jokes at 8 a.m. even though I don't want to be there either. And then no one laughs. <laughs> Come on, guys. This is my pre-coffee material. Yeah. Come on, guys. I'm trying. Let's just Bada take bing. it together. You, need, okay? you, needed, you needed a drummer. It's yeah. <laughs> All college classes should come with one drummer to do the yeah, boom. rim shot. Get, yes. get a student to do it and tell them you'll bump them one letter grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Laugh at all a, my a, jokes and use your little rat-a-tat-tat drum thing yeah. to, to rim shot my jokes. Have a plant in the audience every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of being on a journey, I still have two books left. Oh. On my lightning oh. Round. <laughs> you know, I thought you did. <laughs> I did. All right, here we go. House of Slaughter, number six through ten. Story by James Tynan IV and Sam Johns. Script by Sam Johns. Illustrations by Letizia Cadenisi, I'm going to say. Colors by Francesco uh, Sagala. And letters by And World Design. I apologize for anybody's name that I might have screwed up. Uh, I'll do it again in a minute. Hold on. While Something is Killing the Children focuses on the life and monster-hunting career of Erica Slaughter, this arc of House of Slaughter explores the trials of Edwin, a scarlet mask in the House of Slaughter. Like most masks, Edwin shares a unique bond with his totem, a cursed paintbrush named Hermes. When Edwin is sent to investigate the body of a young woman who's washed up on the shores of an island hosting a scouts weekend, he quickly learns that his totem companion isn't what it seems. Ignoring the body, bum bum bum, Edwin sails into the middle of the lake, where he finds a massive sea monster lurking beneath. How did it get there? What does it want? Why hasn't it attacked anyone from the island? It doesn't take long for this arc to feel like the House of Slaughter meets Moby Dick, as Edwin tries to understand the monster lurking in the depths and how it relates to him on a grander scale. There is little to no action in this story, but I did experience a satisfying tale of introspection as Edwin comes to terms with how he arrived in the middle of the lake. There are plenty of horror elements at play here, even if the monster count is minimal. Uh, Katanisi's artwork fits perfectly in the Something is Killing the Children universe, and it's clear that Sam Johns has a firm grasp on the characters and atmosphere of the series. This arc offers something new uh, to the series by way of a more focused look at the relationship between a mask and its totem, or their totem, uh, and ends with something that may come back to haunt the series in future issues. I am very intrigued. Uh, like I said, this was something, if you're at all familiar with this series, this was something a little different from the Something is Killing the Children universe. And um, I highly recommend it. It's experimental. It's weird. It's disturbingly quiet in a way. And uh, it also feels like the type of thing that 
you might have to read twice once you get to the end because the end has really big implications for like the whole world that they're creating. So this might be one of those like story arcs that's bigger than it seems. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to continue on with the series. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, although I will say I'm really glad that I kind of waited to read all of it at once because I don't know that it would have read uh, as strongly from issue to issue. So last but not least, Strange Academy Finals number one, written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. First, please allow me to say three words that I know Aaron will love. Aaron was right. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Emily is out of control. That chick is crazy. (laughs) After staging a walkout at Strange Academy at the end of the last run, Emily and a selection of students regroup in the Dark Dimension. Frighteningly, the Dark Dimension senses Emily's power, feeding Emily's strength while also corrupting her. While the students who remained at Strange Academy continue training, Emily is formulating a plan that could cause untold destruction at the school. I think this issue does an outstanding job of catching readers up on the events of the other series. It also strikes me as a clever commentary on student culture and how they often feel unheard and manipulated by faculty members. Pause for Chris to take a deep breath. I do think Emily is taking things a bit too far. However, I also think she raises several valid points about the hierarchy of Strange Academy and the manipulative methods of motivation going on at the school. Nah, man, that's just crazy. I'm I'm, I'm getting there. I'm not done yet. That said, I think Emily needs to sit in on a class about accountability and consider Calvin's choices along his journey toward being expelled. By the way, for people who don't read Strange Academy, you should. Calvin was kicked out of school for distributing dark magic drugs to students, among other things. Calvin's painted sort of as an innocent in the matter, but it's much more complicated than that. And that's where I think this book shines regarding character and story development. It's not as simple as Calvin doing a bad thing and being punished for his actions. It goes deeper than that. It's more personal than that. It's more like almost class related than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. I, no, 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 please. I I love this series. I love these characters. Strange Academy is one of the best things Scotty Young has ever helped create and one of the best series from Marvel in recent years, period, in my opinion. Uh, it's one of Humberto Ramos's most substantial entries in his longstanding career, and it also deals with the consequences of magic directly in the Marvel Universe in ways that other books that I've read never have. Uh, it's timely, it's dramatic, and has something to say about the academic structure and the methods with which institutions manipulate the mm-hmm. student body when mm-hmm. they should be working alongside them for a better learning experience. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Remember, I, I snapped you. I told you this was going to be triggery. Um, I, I'm curious to hear Aaron's thoughts on this. I'm so glad that the series is back. I don't know that I love that it's called Finals because that makes it sound very final. And if this is 
all we're getting. I don't know how long this run's going to be, but I want this book to go maybe not forever, but for as long as it's going to be as amazing as it already is. And I'm done. Aaron, go ahead. I got nothing but bad news for you. No, what? <laughs> they talked about this is a limited run. They what? By the NYCC. No. This is this is an arc. No. Unless they change their minds in the background, this is an arc. No. Now, Why do you hate me? Let me, in case you weren't listening, that space return, chick space return is space return crazy. Mm-hmm. Is she crazy or is she just crazy. anyone? Is she crazy or is she just anyone who's been in academia for more than a minute? Just <laughs> curious. No, I'm just I'm saying. Not. I'm just saying, Aaron. <laughs> when you start, when you start burning the letters of ch- children trying to reach out to their parents, you crazy. I'm just saying. You don't know what I'll be doing next week. <laughs> yeah, she pulls. She pulls the equivalent of the person who was writing to their their loved one in the service to only find out that their letters were never mailed. That She's kind like, of thing. Okay. Well, like, that does sound crazy. Them. But I'm saying you just don't know what it's like if you haven't been in academia well, for a long part of time. My, <laughs> part of my whole thing with this and part of why I love it so much is because yeah. these characters are very complex and they're like, oh, they're just kids. Nah, you're, you're dealing with a, a different arena here. And some of these kids not necessarily being born into this or maybe they were but they didn't even know it because their powers were dormant until someone knocked on their door and woke them up and it's thrown their lives into chaos and there's also like an underlying evil element to it where the place you've chosen to go and hide is kind of acting like an atmospheric poison Mm -hmm. to your your already you know, going down the dark road and this thing's basically building you a high speed uh, car to drive down. You know, it's. So here's why I'm going to say that chick is crazy. (laughs) Because there are choices that could have been made along the way and she was called on them. There are choices about what you are prioritizing if your objective is to benefit the kids, benefit the students, benefit, you know, the the way that they are treated. If you are so enraged by the fact that Doyle is that not Doyle, but um the other one, I can't remember his name already, was thrown out. Calvin. So enra- yeah, Calvin. If you're so enraged by that, where is Calvin? Where are you with Calvin? Why are you not helping Calvin? If you're so enraged by all these things, the normal thing to do would be to leave and to have everyone to organize everyone else to leave. If that had been it, if it was just to leave and maybe look for other ways of, 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 you know, gaining the information that you need, whatever, that would be one thing. But this chick took all these students to a dark dimension where she is plotting to destroy the school. That is not normal. I'm not saying it's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe I understand. And by the way, <laughs> she's she's not could, in say, could we say misguided and not crazy, perhaps? Yes. Yeah, she, she's not she's... crazy. She's an academic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I'm woman, done. I'm done. That, no more. That girl's joke. arm is burning off. She's like, here, let me put this glove on. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. I guess you don't care. Maybe some salve, some aloe, or something. Maybe to, <laughs> to vitamin E cream. You know, something. Yeah, yeah. Whatevs. 
Um, no, I think they are leaning into it. Here's the thing. They are leaning into it because at some point, you know, there's going to be this great saving of her soul and her spirit. And you're going to find out that it was, she was infected by blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't really her, all these things, you know, it's coming, but for the time being, she is being called on her stuff. And, and the thing is, I, I, I do think it's a little bit more nuanced because I do believe the reason why they're able to get into the reason why they're able to make this seem so real is because I don't think it was an about face. I don't think it was a one. I think she slowly graduated to this space over time as she acquired her powers, as she understood her powers, as she began to build, it was just kind of odd that she began to build this confidence that solely morphed into this arrogance. Um, and that's essentially what happened. You began to see this, that transition. And that's why I, 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 you know, just feel like, all right, she she took it a step too far and she made it more about her than she did about the overarching mission. This is about what she wants. She didn't like that she couldn't get everything she wanted when she wanted it. She didn't like that when she wanted them to teach her the magic that she wanted to learn that they didn't, you know, on her timetable. So in response, she acted out, she rebelled, and, she's, and she basically said, I'm picking up all my toys and I'm going home. But she didn't. She snatched everyone down this rabbit hole with her. So she's just, and the way that they draw her with her rage, it's just, yeah, they're really leaning into her psycho psychosis there. She, mm. They're really, just the, the imagery of her rage in the battles, when she's engaged in these battles. And she's literally like, all right, fine. Now that you're acting up, I'm going to, I'm really going to take the gloves off now. I'm like, that is not a friend. <laughs> I'm like, that mm. is not okay. She's like, I'm literally going to take my glove off. I was like, oh. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, but they delivered on what they said at NYCC that this is going to be a much darker arc, and they came right out of the gate. There and, uh, yeah, there is darkness abound here. So, yeah. It's it's still great. She's still crazy. It's complicated. Yeah, She is, is just going through it, okay? Look. <laughs> it's a bad she's week. Through, she's bringing everybody with her. She's not really a bad week and sometimes you teleport people to another dimension and try to destroy your school it happens aaron apparently see this is why i go to, i went to public school yeah <laughs> don't go to grad school kids just kidding i'm kidding everyone it's, a, it's those highfalutin private schools <laughs> that gets get sucked into the dark dimension that's man that's true i used to tutor private Speak. school kids that's true <laughs> Speaking of the dark dimension, it's time ah. for news. <laughs> <laughs> we got tons and tons and tons of news stories for you this week. We're going to go through them relatively fast, with the exception of a few, of course, because I think there's some worthy discussion going on. But uh, anybody that wants to jump in on these can feel free. I'm just going to kind of blow through a few of these. Vision. Vision said, I'm not sure if I'm coming back, but then everybody watched WandaVision and said, he's totally coming back. Guess what? Paul Bettany, Vision, they're coming back. Marvel is doing a Disney Plus series, cutely referred to as or called Vision Quest. And it is going to be the writer's room is opening next week. Bettany is returning and it is going to be a series about him regaining his memory and his humanity. Huh. So, and then he'll go evil. I don't know. Well, we don't know. <laughs> we're, we're never going to be rid of Paul Bettany in the in the MCU. We just aren't, and I love that. I'm happy. 
I I really like Paul Bettany's vision, and I think uh, one of my favorite things about WandaVision was some of the some of the end elements of it. Yeah. Um, particularly Wanda kind of that moment where they're they're kind of sharing the same essence and the same body and she's creating his memory inside of uh, Westview through yeah. everything that she's been through. I felt like that was a, one of my favorite moments in the MCU, certainly yeah. one of the most powerful for me. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And yeah, I mean, the Marvel Disney Plus shows have all been very different and very fun. Yeah. And I think exploring this character and giving this character uh, more focus, I, I think, could be really emotional and really good. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Want to see some Elizabeth Olsen in this? Got to tell you. I mean, there very well could be. I think I think they're maybe that they're working towards something, but we'll I'll save it for when we get to one of the other stories. Um, moving right along. Venom three. Who cares? Me. I care. Really? I care. The gayest day winning. (laughs) Kelly Marcel, who Uh. was a co-writer on Venom's one and two uh, and is Here's uh, a resume. Snub- yes, real, real <laughs> snuggly of this Hardy. Um, Hardy and Marcel have basically shaped the Venom verse uh, over the last two films, and she is going to be directing the third Venom movie. Woo-hoo! So Venom has now had three different directors, <laughs> same writers, um, as far as I know. Kelly, I just beg you to keep it as gay as the second one is. That's He's going to go back to the club and get some more uh, neon bracelets. Yeah, do it for us, Kelly. <laughs> so great. Um, I know. I'm glad we're on the same page here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Plot details are unknown. Um, plot? Other than Hardy. Plot? <laughs> yes. The plot uh, is that it's a rom-com between a man and his symbiote. Come on, Bob. Oh, keep geez. up. <laughs> Hardy is returning as the lethal protector Venom. Um, John's John's son is thrilled, yes. I was going to say, John's not here this week, but he wants everybody to know that he's super excited for this. Me too, John. He's already pre-ordered his tickets. I'm ready. I'm going to (laughs) go. My best pride version of Venom costume. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, moving on to the next story again, jump in if you want. William Jackson Harper has been cast in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, William Jackson Harper, you know him as, uh, Chidi Anagonye from The Good Place. Absolutely phenomenal in that show. I've not seen him in much of anything else. I think he was in Midsommar as well as one of the, uh, friends staying on the, uh, I don't even know what you would call that. The cult reservation, the cult resort. Something like that. Um, anyway. Sounds like they, my kind of place. <laughs> they have not specified it does sound like your kind Closely, of place. Closely. Cl- yeah. Closely guarded. Yeah. Closely guarded what? Closely guarded secret as to what he's being. But there are rumors that he's Nathaniel Richards. Oh. Because this I is a very. I ca- hadn't heard that. This is a very Kang centric. Uh, I saw this on Everything Always and a couple of other sites today. I was looking at all sorts of stuff because I, I do not know William Jackson Harper at all. But He's the, great. The, this is a Kang-centric movie to bring mm-hmm. extra 
Kangs and sort of things into play seems to make a lot of sense to me. And I, I, I'm, I want to see some Nathaniel Richards. Let, that's a great way to bring all the rest to bear in terms of Immortus, Doctor Doom, Rama Tut. It's okay. If we're going to go down this whole Loki multiverse timelines and, you know, let's go for it. Let's, let's just go crazy. This quantum mania, after all, let's go. That's cool. I hadn't heard that he would be uh, possibly playing uh, Nathan Richards. Yeah. A lot of people seem to have thought that it was Reed. So that was kind of the conversation that I saw. But Nathan makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I like him. Like I like I like him. He was in Midsummer. Um, he's fantastic. What, Midsummer, the, the uh, Florence Pugh movie. Yes. Yes. Oh, she he dressed. The... She dresses her character for Halloween. I thought that I was charming. That. It <laughs> was so cute. Oh. He was the one that was like writing about the. Oh, um, okay. Yes. Family, and he yes. disappeared partway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoilers for Midsommar, sorry. Sorry, it's three hours long, it doesn't hurt. Um, yeah, okay, definitely, definitely Nathaniel, I can see that. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. he's got he's got a, a scholarly bent about mm-hmm. him in The Good Place. Um, a yeah. little, a little pretentiously so, but uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's the character for The Good Place, yeah. um, and he's phenomenal in that. That is definitely um, Nathaniel we're talking. I, I mean, it could be anybody. I, I'm 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 vamping because of the sites I looked at, and everyone's seeing different things. But that sort of edginess to I'm right all the time—that's a very Nathaniel thing. I'm thinking. I could see him pulling off a Reed Richards, though. Is that that was what you were saying, right, Steve? That's what people are thinking. Yeah, I mean, this is all people. Just, I mean, every, this oh, is yeah. the this is the whole uh, Mephisto thing. All <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. One of Wait. these days, we're gonna be right. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be a dog. You know, being cast mm-hmm. in Quantum Mania and the oh, Reed Richards. Mephisto. You yeah. know, yeah. Rover Bingo is playing Reed Richards yeah. in the new movie. <laughs> So we the won't. Dog we from won't, Air Bud is Reed Richards, right? We won't know until Free Willy is Reed revealed. Richards. It'll be great. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a cool actor. I am. Glo- I haven't seen much of what else he's in, but the two things that I've seen him in, I thought that he was great. So I'm looking forward to his role being revealed down the road, and we find out who he's playing. I think Nathan Richards would would be a, a wise choice for them. That sounds exciting to me. Speaking uh, right. of Mephisto, our next story, who knows? <laughs> Catherine Hahn yeah. is being all sorts of coy again. Yeah, I don't know. I can't put, I, I don't know how much weight to put behind. There was a rumor going around that Sasha Baron Cohen is. <laughs> I'd, I'd heard that. I'd heard that one. I don't, <laughs> yes, God, I'm, I'm totally I'm, subscribing I'm to in for the that. Joey way of things. Like, Joey's until right, I see until, yeah, until I yeah. actually see it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, and then we saw John Krasinski as Reed Richards in Multiverse of Madness. Spoilers, sorry. Right. 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 Well, here's, yeah. a, here's, a, here's another one for you with the exact same scenario. Uh, Heartstopper's Joe Locke, who plays Woo-hoo! Charlie Spring, yeah, in Heartstopper, has joined the cast of Agatha, Coven of Chaos, the Disney Plus series revolving around Agatha Harkness, yeah. uh, Catherine yeah. Hahn, coming out. And so, so again... People jumping the gun with no information whatsoever. It's Mephisto. No, everyone already Cutest assumes Mephisto ever. <laughs> everyone so already assumes baby. that he's playing Wiccan on the series. Oh, that would be amazing casting, yeah. though. That it would, would be, be so good. I mean, they Please. could do 
they could do a multiversal thing or they could do a uh, an age up thing like they were doing yeah. in WandaVision. Um, they so don't look cute. anything alike, but I don't yeah. know that that necessarily like, matters. The multiverse changes you. <laughs> now, I mean, could, anything could we to get go, rid of those two kids. If, <laughs> Sorry. If we go, go if we go way back into the Agatha Harkness stuff, she had a a. Oh, how do I? Uh, there's a character related to her named Nicholas Scratch. That's adorable. Okay. As part of Salem Seven, that they thought at some point the bunny rabbit was going to be in Wandavision. So maybe, <laughs> just maybe, I'm you know maybe this is time to introduce Mr. Scratch. Nicholas Scratch sounds like a Harry Potter character. Oh my god, it does. Yes, You're but so it, right. it's back from the George Perez era of ff we're talking about 70s Amazing. man bob i gotta have you in my back pocket when i write my articles right. <laughs> i need this insight oh Amazing. you know he kind of has a nicholas scratch mm-hmm. vibe right you get he the hair going like... a little bit yeah. he, he does he looks like he looks like the name nicholas scratch made flesh <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. that's what i thought when i saw that, that picture you posted all right amazing so Nicholas Scratch was in Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I'm learning this in this moment. Yes. Holy shit. You're is right. that the same character? No. I'm going to blow uh, your mind right now. It can't be. It can't be. Are you ready, Chris? Are you ready? I was holding then, on to this. No, hold on. Archie Comics is DC, right? Not, no, Archie is Archie. Archie is Archie. Yeah, Archie is I know Archie is Archie, Archie yeah. but they have DC connection. I- I've watched Riverdale. I know this. Okay, speaking of Riverdale, I'm curious to know if you know this. Okay, please hit me with it. What's the actor's name who plays Jughead? Obviously, it's Cole Sprouse. Of course, I know this. Did you know that Cole Sprouse, and I can't take credit for this, I learned this through a different podcast, The Voice Bell Dump Truck, that he is the same actor. Have you ever seen Adam Sandler's Big Daddy? Sadly, yes. The little kid in that movie. I know. He played in you the, knew that? Band of Friends, yeah. I was gonna say I've been watching what? him since he was Zach and Cody. Of course I know. Oh my god, yeah. I had no idea. I grew All up right. in the Disney Channel era. This is my guy. Okay, I thought this was gonna be a huge revelatory thing. I have misjudged the situation. You've entirely. misjudged my devotion to Cole Sprouse. <laughs> Lesson learned, all right? Never never doubt my Cole Sprouse knowledge again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, they finally released a teaser trailer for Guardians of the yes! Galaxy's holiday special. This looks like so much fun. I have not been this excited to see Peter Quill and the Guardians in a while, except for the video game. The video game was excellent. Go and play it. It's probably really cheap by now. It's fantastic. Um, I think this looks like a lot of fun. I'm loving the Mantis and Drax stuff in this. And it's coming out later this month, I think, like middle of this month mm-hmm. in time for Christmas. And yeah, we'll be talking more about James Gunn in a little bit. Do, do we, wanna, little we don't want to spoil too much of this trailer because you should see it. I mean, you but... could spoil it. It's fine. It's been okay. out for over so Peter's having he's having a tough time of things. And so it, it, first of all, it's great to see Mantis doing something else and being called a whore by Drax. It's really nice. I'm um, yes. just saying. It, because he's having such a bad time, they decide to make his holidays better by coming to Earth and kidnapping Kevin Bacon. Come on, <laughs> come on! We're just right there. This is this is perfect. And 
I'm loving this whole let's do one-off specials for Marvel the way yeah. Werewolf by Night was. We could do a lot of extra characters this way that maybe it's their introduction to folks. Maybe that's how we get them a show or a movie. But this, uh, I I just laughed out loud at work and people asked me, what are you laughing at? Well, you got to watch this. Come here. Come here. I love, love my it. favorite part of the trailer is when Kevin Bacon is running through his like neighbor's yards mm. to get away from Mantis yeah. and Drax. <laughs> and Mantis is just leaping like over <laughs> the fences. <laughs> yes. Loved it. It looks like fun. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this. Anybody else check this out? I did not actually. I forgot. Wow. Sorry. Oh, wow. I, so I, forgot about I okay. Here's the deal. I, I actually hate the guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> I know, I know. People no, love you're it. allowed. It's I fine. Hate it. I love hate it. the first it. movie. Didn't like the second, so there we go. I Peter Quill. Hate the whole Peter Quill can kiss my ass. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he is. I've had this discussion, and Joey and I were in full agreement. Peter Quill, worst character in the MCU. Ooh, out of a lot of territory. Out of everybody. Well, you heard I it here, folks. Fucking, I mean, I don't know if Joey would confirm out of everybody, but he was agreeing with me. He sucks ass. <laughs> I hate Peter Quill so much, which is sad to me because actually comic book bisexual Peter Quill, love him. Just the MCU Peter Quill. I mean, it's not, I, I actually hated him before I personally hated Chris Pratt. So, you know, it's not just that. Hey, they'd have stopped Thanos if he wasn't such a jerk. I'm telling you. Do you know how many people would be alive? Many, many people. Billions. <laughs> anyway, unbelievable. <laughs> so no, I didn't Quill. watch the trailer. <laughs> watch the trailer. I think you'll enjoy the trailer. Uh, All he wants to do is dance for you. Well, I would rather he dance off a cliff. Oh, oh. but I'm bummed. Where's your drummer, Chris? Right now, you need a ring <laughs> shot. Yeah, I-, I wish he was the one that died and not Gamora. Just saying. <laughs> I think Going we all on. kind of feel that way, but you know, right? All right, let's move Moving on. Moving on. To oh wait oh there's a there's a there's an, another Marvel story in this pile of DC stuff might as well do this really quick. Um, Disney Plus is going ahead with their Wonder Man show, and they have cast Yaya Abdul Mateen II, who is also uh, Black, Black Manta, Manta in the Aquaman yeah. film. Uh, and will star again in Aquaman Treasures of the Lost Kingdom or whatever that movie is called. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Lost City, something like that. Lost Kingdom. Lost Prophets. Um, I look, I love me some Yahya Abdul Mateen. He was phenomenal. Did anybody watch the new uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman? Yes, that was great. Not yet. It's on my list. Phen- yes, that first yeah. of that movie, one of my favorite movies of the year for sure. Uh, unless that was last year. One of the great remakes of all time. Yes, one of the great remakes. A really great pairing with the original film. I highly recommend watching them back to back. Kind of like watching the original Halloween and then rolling into the the new, the first chapter of the new reboot. I haven't seen the other two. You want to know my opinions? Listen to it on Progressively Horrified. (laughs) (laughs) Plug, plug, plug. There you go. Look at that self-plug there. Um, on a scale of one to ten, Aaron, how fine is Mr. Abdul Mateen, and are you excited for him to play Wonder Man? It depends, and if his ass is bleeding all over the place, not so fine. But otherwise, uh... wait, what? Was his ass bleeding? 
be he, clear. He was, he was he was awfully bloody in a, a Candyman, but fair enough. Um, Some people are into that. Just saying. You know, <laughs> see, that's a... the silence you were talking about. <laughs> Steve. That's what it feels like, huh? <laughs> I, I give him a. I give him a. <laughs> I give him a solid eight. All right. Yeah, I give him a solid eight. All right. Now, we know nothing about this show. Uh, are we thinking this is going to be Simon Williams, the the movie actor? I don't know. Here's uh, my question, though, and this is kind of going back to the vision thing and you mentioning Wanda. I, do, I know very little about this, only what I've read on, like, Marvel fandom or whatever. Oh, boy. But there's a whole story arc of Wanda and Vision and Wonder Man. Okay, Wonder being... Man. Wonder Man appears. Simon Williams is a failed industrialist who loses out to Tony Stark, and in Avengers Nine, Baron Zemo makes him into a superhero, so he can infiltrate the Avengers and destroy them from within. He dies in his first appearance. Dies dead. I mean, dead, dead, dead. He's dead for fifteen dies years. Dead. He dies dead. For for <laughs> comics, he dies and he's dead. And then he's, because he's charged with ionic energy, whatever the mm. hell that is, he can come back from beyond the grave and blah, blah, blah. And the thing of it is, it is his brain patterns that are used to create the vision. His engrams are within the vision's head, which is why, you'll love this, Chris, the Grim Reaper shows up. Hey! Who's Simon's brother and tries to basically cut the vision into pieces to take Simon's brains back out and blah, blah, blah. And then there's a love triangle between Simon and Vision and Wanda. Ooh. That's the short version of it. There you go. All right. Sounds good to me. But he's also they, a movie. They do that? No, they're not going to. I don't think they're going there. I really don't. Because he, okay. he's the vision is Jarvis and Ultron, right? Put together into... Mm-hmm that body so adding simon williams to that no i think they're gonna go with maybe he'll do uh he and he and uh you know uh ben kingsley's character can have you know a buddy cop movie or something oh that'd be fun i think we're doing hollywood we're gonna do a hollywood comedy yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know anything about this i am very curious it says here, um, the younger Williams gains ion-based superpowers, including super strength, while working under the villainous Baron Zemo and establishing himself as an antagonist to the Avengers, uh, though he later decides to become a part of that superhero team, blah, 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 blah. Is this from the show, or this is just general Wonder I think they're, Man? they're just giving background to his okay, character. Yeah. yeah, this may not be what's in the show. Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton is uh, going to be uh, co-producing this. With Hawkeye co-producer Andrew Guest, uh, he's also developing it. It's, I mean, it's got a lot of cool people behind it, and I, I do, I do like this actor. So, yeah. it went from being a like, what is this? To oh crap, this is interesting. Now that we're attaching some some cool That's people to it, yeah, I'm in. Look, so, uh, Marvel's found a way to do all these shows in their own little spheres of influence so to speak everything's been a little different uh i'm in give it a shot all right moving on to the dc end of the spectrum yay 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 um 
Javisa Leslie from Batwoman, who plays Batwoman, is going to appear in the upcoming season of The Flash. So people looking forward to more Batwoman, <laughs> you're going to get it. Yay. I, I, I wish wow. I was. I'm sorry. I tried <laughs> so hard and I got so like, far yay. with Arrowverse, but in the end, didn't even matter. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this? You put this in the in the chat. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, we can take a we can take a swing at things, and they don't work in this in a particular setting. I think this. I think she was sort of mm-hmm. the storytelling for that series, and then sort of all the the mess with Ruby Rose and all that stuff. I think it sort mm-hmm. of just put a bad light over the show in general. So maybe sometimes taking people taking a character out of one setting and putting it into another might breathe new life into it. Maybe giving her something else to play off of might be new life into it. Who knows? I mean, we yeah. know that this is the last season of The Flash, so who knows? But it, it could, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it could give it give the character a different, yeah. a different visual and a different story. Yeah, none I of it. Say, ba- Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Batgirl was an absolute disaster. I mean, uh, Batwoman was an absolute disaster of a show. But I actually thought she was an amazing actress. So I would like to see her be able to potentially play this character somewhere where the writers are a little better. I'm just not sure that's the final season of Flash that hasn't been good since season four. <laughs> so, yeah, It, no, it wasn't you know, her fault about know. what went wrong with Batwoman. It was no, all the all. behind the scenes things. And I, I, I enjoyed the first season a lot and you could yeah. see the character developing, the actors developing within it and then all the backstage stuff took it apart and our new Batwoman could have had a great story on her own. But when you attached all of her story to what you had left over from the first season, that didn't do anybody any good at all. And that was a shame. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was just, it was really uneven, even for an Arrowverse show very quickly. <laughs> I know I look, I have such conflicted feelings because I was such a hardcore Arrowverse fan, and then all of those shows ran too long. <laughs> just yeah. all of them. Um, so much. But the early seasons of all of them, amazing. Flash is truly Something. one of my top favorite shows, unless you unless you remember that it went on past four, in my opinion. Um Aaron, which one did you say except for? <laughs> I was going to say except for Black Lightning. That's what that sort of that was that that wrapped up after three seasons. Yes, but and it was actually very good. But honestly, they also were like, we're not really Arrowverse, so <laughs> yeah, they were just like they, on the edge. They distanced themselves hardcore, and I think that was for their better. To be honest, they did a great job. Um, but the like core Arrowverse ones all went too long and got really off track mm-hmm. very very fast. Well, because I feel like had they merged them, that it would have probably been him coming into like Central City and giving everyone like a copy of White Fragility or something. So <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it would have been, and it would have been so bad. It really would have been. Because oh been God, like, yeah, you were so correct. You all suck. They, <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, going about his business. Uh, uh, as, as he should, um, he probably took one look at Arrowverse and went, "No, no thanks." <laughs> our he would have looked at Oliver Queen and be like, this entitled bitch. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> and bitch? they just kept it moving. We're all going to listen to this bitch? <laughs> yeah, he just kept it moving. So yeah, yeah probably correct. Best kept it separated. I agree. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. That's our review of the entire Arrowverse. Anyway, back to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of things coming to an end, I'm just Ooh. full Aww. of segues tonight. You really yeah, this are. one's sad. This sucks. Uh, DC Stargirl will end after season three. Thank you, Fuck. Warner's Discovery. Ugh. A show for everyone that had lots of, as you discovered with the JSA, Steve, a lot of that stuff going on here. Nods to deep, deep history. A, a wonderful lead in, in Breck Basinger. Uh, three seasons, not nearly enough. It was just really broadening their universe. And gone. Gone too soon. Hmm. They're going to do more reality shows. You know, we can do, we can bring back the Osbournes or some other crap. Um, that really stinks that Stargirl is coming to an end. I um, I did enjoy what I saw of it. And, you know, all the slashing and burning going on over there at DC. It sucks that I got caught up in all of that. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next story. It's lights out for Greg Berlanti's Green Lantern. <laughs> Aww, Not only did bad. I forget that this was happening, yeah, true, but I feel like they changed the trajectory of this so many times. Uh, it was originally uh, going to revolve around Guy Gardner and Alan Scott uh, and had already cast Finn Whitrock and Jeremy Irvine uh, for their respective Green Lanterns. As part of a creative overhaul, writer and showrunner Seth Graham Smith has departed the series after completing scripts for a full season of eight episodes. Oh, damn. Sources say Graham Smith, who signed on as writer and showrunner a year after Green Lantern was announced, chose to leave the project after weathering a number of regime changes at HBO Max. Hmm. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the decision to eh, we don't need to go through that. No. It's yeah. So Green Lantern not happening. We hardly Which, knew ye. So it's just, like this is weird because in another article I read that they were changing the focus to be all John to be John Stewart. Uh-huh. I was sort of like I was. I, I know. Was conflicted. I was like, huh, interesting. Well, so, this is happening. Uh, this came out on October twenty sixth, and this is an exclusive from the Hollywood Reporter. Right. Yep. Uh, it's possible that they've amended the story, but they certainly no deadline and uh, Hollywood reporter are notoriously bad at like highlighting updates to their stories. It's like they're trying to hide their shame. <laughs> I'm serious. It happens all the time. Oh, I know. But the, uh, the John Stewart stuff, I think was before that, wasn't it that people were saying that or no, it's possible. That's what I was it's saying. Been a, it's been a little while. I don't know. So I was going to try to look saw, it up. I think but... it was like last week, yeah. Yeah, oh. I remember. I saw it too. I'm trying to see if I can find it. I don't see any stories. Green Lantern TV series being redeveloped. This a, are you reading this on TV Line? No, I'm reading this on Hollywood Reporter still. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. All right. Green Lantern yours. live action HBO Max series is being redeveloped. Will now focus on Jon Stewart. Okay, so this is this came out the same day. Oh, that's confusing. Mm-hmm. That is confusing. 
Because, yeah, in the Hollywood Reporter article, it doesn't necessarily say it's being canceled. It's saying it's being refocused. Oh, here we go. But now in the wake of Walter Hamada's exit from the position of DC Films president, our sister site, I did not know that, The Hollywood Reporter, um, reported on Wednesday morning that a decision had been made to start over and build the show around Green Lantern John Stewart. Is that what the story said? Uh, one of the first African-American superheroes to appear in DC Comics uh, with a reduced and with a reduced budget as uh, Warner Brothers yeah, uh, Discovery can... Yeah. Yeah, continues to hack away at debt. It is unclear if Whitrock and or Irvine will continue as cast members in any capacity. All right. Well, it I mean, what the hell? What do I have timestamps on this stuff? I don't have time. Wait, uh, oh, six thirty okay. So the Hollywood reporter story came out at six thirty in the morning, and this uh TV line story is at seven. Oh five. So and, and at seven thirty eight, it was now a Brett Ratner show, <laughs> or whatever. They, they were gonna, what was the Ratner? What's the, the the Kyle Ratner? Whatever his name was, Brett Ratner yeah. is a terrible director. Um, so they go ahead, Bob. Yeah, no, it's just uh, there's the first thing you has, you said is reduced budget. It's a great, thank mm-hmm. you. Let's make this as cheap as we can. And that way we don't lose any money, but then also we can't attract any new listeners, watchers, people interested. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy, guys, you know? Yeah. So Hollywood Reporter waited until the third paragraph to say the decision to refocus Green Lantern arrives at a pivotal time for DC. Sources say the character of Jon Stewart was off the table to producers who envisioned the show as focusing on the first Green Lantern, the openly gay Alan Scott and Guy Gardner, as a uh, well-known as a as well as a multitude of other lanterns, blah 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 blah. So they really, if they're talking about the John Stewart thing, they either really buried it or it's not in here at all, and they stuck it in that TV line article. Um, this is bad communication on their part this is called burying the lead uh there folks um this story is just pissing me off now i'm gonna move on from it oh yeah i'm like i'm enraged so i'm not talking speaking of being enraged another segue james cameron (laughs) james cameron coming at you criticizing marvel and dc characters saying They all act like they're in college, whatever that means, and really don't have relationships. Oh, James. James Cameron wishes they would bang. (laughs) Okay, Uh, uh, look, I like a lot of James Cameron movies. Where are the relationships in his movies? (laughs) Um, At the the um, bottom of the ocean when they didn't let Leo on that boat, right? Where is the yeah. or at the bottom of the ocean in the abyss, right? With uh, Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Antonio. Yeah. Okay, no one has a relationship in any of his movies, except yeah. for he and his various leading ladies who he cheats on his wives with. I was gonna say, Ooh, James Cameron would know a lot about uh, not having good relationships, <laughs> yes, wouldn't he? Former husband of Catherine Bigelow, as I like to refer to him. Former husband of Linda Hamilton, former husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. Yes, yeah. James James Cameron, who I only know Catherine Bigelow's ex. <laughs> yeah, James, know your role. Be quiet. Yes, I. Yeah, down, I mean, sir. 
<laughs> for me, I just I'm not saying anything about his movies, although I will say I don't know that we need five Avatar movies. Honestly, did we need we one need Avatar one. movie? Amen. <laughs> Thank Amen. you, Aaron. High five. I never, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not just saying this to be salty. I'll be very honest with you. Everyone and their mother raved about that friggin' movie to me. Like, oh, it's amazing. Nothing. And I watched it. And I was like, these are adult Smurfs swinging through the trees. What are you doing? <laughs> and, and literally just fucking with their hair. I mean, what the hell? I just, I, I'm not, I, <laughs> right. at the time I was just like, I will let you all have this one. It's not for me. I don't get it. And there's nothing about this that's drawing me into it. But Mm-mm. hey, I just if you put a nice I don't see the to value it, it, add you know. to this behavior. Yeah. I find it I find it obnoxious. You want to talk about immaturity and and mm-hmm. acting, you know, below your age. My God. But he just this is not the first time that he's come out to, to you know, rail against Marvel and DC I was thinking, characters. When I saw this, I was like, is this an old news story? <laughs> yeah. I just like and he was probably talking very casually, and it's the kind of thing that yeah. he says it. It's on the record, and then they cherry pick it out of the conversation, and it blows up because it's a hot topic. And you know, James Cameron mm-hmm. is at it again, and all this yeah. stuff, and it, it gets you know sensationalized and whatever. Yeah. But it's just, dude, just keep your mouth shut. Like, yeah. people enjoy this stuff. Just let them have Thank their you. good time. My God, yeah, James, James, like let's let's level with each other here. The world is fucking awful let us have superheroes just shut up <laughs> and, and again it's not as if, if if you were uh i'll throw old names out if you were michael curtis who directed casablanca and wanted to talk about marvel and dc superhero movies or whatever i'd still tell him to shut up yeah, but, no, but you might you, you you have you have enough of a track record of making great films with great characters and arcs and whatever to say Maybe not, they're just terrible, just to say, not for my taste, they could be better, they could do this differently, so on and so forth. James right. Cameron, who makes wonderful popcorn movies himself, mm-hmm. be quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure, not like your it's not like your your ex wife who is an Academy Award winner. Right, you didn't make Hurt Locker there, James. I mean, you know, um, James. Uh, uh, I love I'm, that you and I are just bullying him at this point. And here, I'll go with the next level. I, I love Marty Scorsese. You huh. you you've made the same movie fourteen times. Yes. So who are you Please. talking about the repetitive nature of the roller coaster Marvel movies? When you just keep making gangster movies with De Niro. Also, this this line of thinking lives in a world where there is a there is one purpose for movies. In a where, world. In a world <laughs> where there's only one reason to have movies. The superhero movies are accomplishing exactly what they set out to. How is that a failure? It's just like Fast and Furious. Like it's not going to be mm-hmm. Academy Award winning. It's not trying to be. It's doing exactly what it means to be doing, James. That sounds like a success to me, unlike all of your Avatar sequels, which will inevitably be boring and not what you're seeking to do. <laughs> hey, Steve, there's a side news story. Speaking of inner world, <laughs> there's, there's a rumor that Lake Bell is in Black Panther playing a very secret Latverian character. Oh. hmm Interesting. Yep. Okay. I mean, she's already in the MCU in, because she plays Natasha in What If. Right. But live mm-hmm. action, they're keeping it a secret. Post-credits, okay. I'm thinking. See, I know people that have seen Black Panther 2. I could probably <gasps> prod for information, but I don't because I don't no, want to know. No. No, I'm not going to. Moving right. on. Uh, 
two more, two more stories. So DC has found its new head of DC or heads of DC films. And I'm just going to say it here. I'm pretty sure we either predicted this or we were like, they could do this. And then we were like, nah, they're not going to do that. Anyway, James Gunn and Peter, I have to not say San Fran. Peter <laughs> Safran, Safran is, they're the new heads of Marvel, of, sorry, of DC films. Uh, welcome to the James Gunnsiverse. I'm that's going to be coming at you. Right. I'm thrilled. I'm genuinely excited. Yeah, they, still oh, have to, they still have to answer to the almighty Zazlev, right? I believe so, yes. So, let's temper, let's temper our enthusiasm. I am excited too, but yeah. there's someone but else who's going to write the checks. If we, if we get more Suicide Squad, it's going to be so good. That, I That vibe of movie, I mean. No, go ahead. No, I, I'm... I'm tentatively excited by this uh it does say both uh both have the new titles of co-chairman and chief creative executive officers of dc studios overseeing the overall creative direction of the dc universe across film tv and animation under a single banner the duo will report to zaslav mm-hmm. but will also be in close correspondence with Warner Brothers film group co-chairs and CEOs Mike DeLuca and Pam Ad, uh, Abdi on so you such think, matters as marketing. Possible. Right, so you think when, when James Gunn proposes the Black Canary spin-off what's the almighty Zaslav going to say? I have no idea. I I I would hope. I would hope that they see the success and i'm sure that this is part of why they made this the decision but seeing his success with guardians of the galaxy seeing his comeback story with guardians of the galaxy uh having him come on board to make the suicide squad having a huge success with peacemaker and moving into a second season of that he has a lot of celebrity friends that love to work with him he is a well-regarded and like fiercely um, defended filmmaker. And that kind of sounds like DC's bread and butter. But I think what we get with gun is perhaps a looser, God forbid, funner, if that's a word, <laughs> DC universe. I ho- That's what I'm hoping for. I know. Right. Look, if we're talking about the tonality of the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and even some of the Guardian stuff, mm-hmm. I think we could have part of the shift that we're looking for. But like you said, Bob, there are people that he has to get to sign off on these ideas. I'm just hoping that if they're so concerned about numbers and they're so concerned about success, they look at the past success that he's had in this arena and someone says maybe we should trust him because David Zaslav is not making the right moves and he might be getting pressure from like the board of trustees or whatever, whoever these people are uh, that are kind of down his neck over the last couple of months. (laughs) Yeah. The Illuminati, but (laughs) what you could end up with though, again, they're green lighting, Batman, Superman, on and on and on and on again. And 
what control does James Gunn have over saying, you know, I get that, but let's try something different. You saw what we did with Aquaman and Shazam and Wonder Woman and the Suicide Squad and even Birds of Prey that made a lot of money. Let's well, try gonna, something different. They're going to do is they're going to send Dwayne Johnson to James Gunn's house <laughs> to, to give him a pep talk. He's going to he's going to set up his gym in uh, James Gunn's backyard and just set up shop and stay with him. Oh, have God. a sleepover. <laughs> so we got one more news story here. Uh, I don't know how much Aaron wants to talk about it, but I'm sure he's got opinions. Doctor Who is getting a Hollywood makeover. What does this mean? It basically means they're putting cash into it from Disney. I'm sorry, I should have said that. Disney shoveling some cash in there. So here's the thing that I understand from the various articles that I've read, including this one. Essentially, BBC is still producing the show. As part of the distribution deal, Disney is going to be putting some cash into this deal. And therefore, that affords them some creative input to the show. And my understanding, mm -hmm. as you can see here, uh, as it says here, uh, the report suggests that Disney wants to turn Doctor Who into an American-style Hollywood franchise, which basically means fuck you. Um, because they've tried to do that, not Disney, but others have tried to do that, and it did not go well. And the thing that makes Doctor Who and Torchwood different is because it brings that british sensibility to things and it just it leave it where it is let it be what it is stop trying to put your freaking stamp now having said that russell t davies is like hey i'm all on board because i was probably doing a a, a whole universe before but it was before its time you know with the sarah jane chronicles and doctor who and torchwood yeah but you were doing it in a different way that works better in this setting and just leave it where it is Evolve it, let it grow, let it change, but leave it where it is. Stop trying to do the cash grab. And that's kind of where I think this is going to be the death knell of Doctor Who. Um, it's already going to be exclusively on Disney+. Plus, So there's that. So if you're somebody who used to be able to just crank it open on BBC America or something like that, yeah, you can kiss that goodbye. Um, so that's just going to be wow, it's going to be exclusive to them? That's my understanding. It's going to be exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Whoa! I in thought the, it was in the U.S. in the U.S. Out. in the U.S. in the okay. in the U.K. is going to be on BBC still, but in the U.S. it's going to be on Disney Plus. So, and who should who should play Doctor Who? Chris Pratt or Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> ooh, ooh, we can, can throw. We can all bite let's me. throw in Jared Leto into the mix, like. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I like it. Listen, I am more still, than all I just of the time. See, <laughs> the reason why I'm like going to continue to be on board with this is because I just want to see Shuji Gatwa just on screen as a doctor at, at some point. Mm. That's all I want to see. Mm. I just, but, but don't, please don't screw him over. You screw Jodie Whittaker over. For real. Don't screw him over. See, initially, I just thought this meant that they were porting like the Doctor Who library over to Disney Plus. And I was excited because I was like, oh, you know one-stop shop for Doctor Who. That's cool. Nope. But now that I know that they're sticking their white glove Mickey Mouse <laughs> fingers into it. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if this I like that. It's got the mouse all over it. So that, yeah, that, it just, it really worries me. I'm like, why to even go so bold as to say they want to make it into an American style? Come on now. Because, you know, stop it. Just stop it. What does that no even one mean? That. Just, no one needs it that. It means... Explosions. <laughs> Brown and orange. Yeah, right? uh, uh, greedy mouse uh, counting his dollars. 
The doctor is going to start carrying a gun. The doctor is going to start carrying a gun and putting a bullet in people's right. heads. <laughs> you know. Scrooge McDuck. So I've had Scrooge a- McDuck overload lately with that uh, Disney Dreamlight. Oh my I god, I am living for it. The Halloween update. Oh. <gasps> there the was, and now I'm besties with Scar. My life is so good. Oh no! <laughs> it's amazing how many how many villains you can befriend in Disney Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> amazing. I uh, I haven't played in a little while. I finished uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Dreamland, and then uh, I started Bayonetta <gasps> three, which has been an absolute blast cool. uh, so far. A little little bit of an awkward start. But uh, about twenty minutes into the blah blah blah, we we got it going, and once it once it got going, it didn't stop. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm enjoying myself. I just downloaded the Cult of the Lamb, so I'm gonna start that yes. after the podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> that is a fun game. That I'll be curious to hear your journey with it because I hit a, a point with that game very early on where I became very overwhelmed mm-hmm. and kind of backed off of it a little okay. bit, but. You might be able to get me to go All back. All right, in. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm just, I'm just excited. I can finally realize my cult leader journey that has always been what I've been going toward. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be curious to find out where you put the porta potties when they're unlocked. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Will you put them right next to the sleeping bags? We'll find out. Tune in next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it happens very early in the game, so if you play it at all, we should probably know by the next time okay, on the show. Okay, sounds good. All right, uh, that's it for books. That's it for news. It's time to talk about the books we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what do you Damage got? Control number three, Captain Marvel forty-three, She-Hulk number seven, Poison Ivy number six, and the second volume of Adventure Man in another oversized hardcover. Ooh, that's cool. You love me some Fraction and the Dodsons. Hmm, maybe I'll get that instead of that other book. That could be cool. Uh, Aaron, what are you thinking about reading? The pool is shallow this week. Uh, (laughs) X-Men Red number eight, uh, Captain Marvel, and The Ones. There's a new number one called uh, The Ones by Bendis. That's it. All right. Uh, Chris, what are you looking for? Uh, well, to? The, the Tim Drake issue, second one, came out this week, actually. I just haven't had a chance to read it, so I'm going to be reading that one. And I am digging into the DC Infinite app, ultra mega app, uh, and I see that they've started releasing the Sword of uh, Azrael, which I'm so excited about. So I'm going to start reading that. Nice. Very cool. Uh, I have a pretty big list this week. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to be waiting for uh, my DC books, but among them, I have Batman 129, Batman and the Joker Deadly Duo, number one. I'll check it out. Uh, Gotham City, year one, number two. I really enjoyed number one. And Poison Ivy, number six. is supposed to be supposedly coming out this week. Yes, it is. Uh, Captain Marvel, number 43. There's a new Deadpool, Deadpool, number one. Uh, Secret Invasion number one. I guess there's a new Secret Invasion event coming out. Mm-hmm. So after reading the other one, I kind of need to know. So I'll probably check it out. She-Hulk number seven. Uh, there is a Boom Studios book coming out called Behold Behemoth number one that I'm going to check out. 
Bloodstained Teeth, number seven. Golden Rage, number four. Hell to Pay, number one. Little Monsters, number seven. Uh, The Final Survival Street issue, number four. And of course, That Texas Blood, number 19, uh, I believe is the final uh, episode, the final issue of the current arc. So looking forward to seeing how that wraps up. And uh, that's all of my books for this week. Let's see here. Does anybody have any closing statements? Anything that they want to share before we uh, wrap it up? Uh-uh. Nope. Nothing, huh? The well, the well is dry. All right, well, I will say, once again, go back in the uh, Talking Comics feed and check out that uh, Batman yeah, Wayne Family Adventures crossover episode. It's, uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, if anything, it'll you'll laugh your ass off in the first like half hour of it. It's brilliant. And we have a, a really good conversation about a great, great webtoon that you can go out there and read for yeah, free. Yeah, and you absolutely should because it's the best Batman ever written. <laughs> it is one of the best Batman comics for sure. Uh, all right, that's it. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. If you want to support us and you don't want to spend any money, go to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating on the app. It helps us with the algorithm stuff, uh, helps us get into the ears of new listeners, move up the charts, all that good stuff. Uh, And it's like super effortless. I do it for all the podcasts that I listen to on there. Um, And from what I've heard, it really helps. So if you have a moment, we would appreciate it. Um, We're also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Royer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Aaron, how about you? At Aaron J. Amos. Chris, what are your contacts online? You can find me co-hosting Thirsty on Tune. Uh, and you can find Thirsty on at Thirsty on Tune on Twitter. Um, and you should definitely check that out because we've got a, a really fun interview about to come out with author David R. Slayton. On uh, it was Ooh. so good. So and it was the longest interview we've ever done because the three of us could not shut up. We were so mutually in love with each other. Um, so so check that out you can also find me over at gotham outsiders uh where we are we have a few exciting episodes coming up including an episode with david r slayton he's getting around the shows (laughs) 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 Um, but we've also i made some connections at comic-con so you'll see some exciting people showing up over on go soon um in addition to that, you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I'm talking about who even knows what any given day. And you can find my pen name, my writer's pen name, at Cooper Cal Writes. Damn, that was a journey and a I half. have so many things. You do. You do. That's awesome, you. though. We appreciate you being here with all those other things you have Please, on your plate. It's a blast. Excellent. Um, Bronwyn is at shiny baby B. Joey is at Joey Bracino. John is at John P. Burkle. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Bob, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. <laughs> Aaron. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> and for Chris. Damien Wayne forever. 
Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time, I'm Talking Comics Podcast to be continued. (laughs) 